guess what? This upcoming Friday is the beginning of Duckstream 2016, our annual charity live stream, all for the Transactive Gender Center. This is going to be the greatest 48 hours of that weekend. Uh, it is going to be fun times gaming for 48 hours on stream. It's me in the West Coast with Brayton and, and Nick doing goofy shit. And then we got Cole in the Midwest holding it down with Resident Evil, uh, the series of games, going through as many as he can. There are donation of incentives. There are things you just get just for doing good and donating to a wonderful, wonderful cause. Uh, so go, please, please go to duckfeed.tv forward slash duckstream and uh, learn about it. Um, tune in. Tell your friends. Broadcast it. Uh, we'd really, really appreciate it. We want to. We're doing our best to make a difference. You can help us. Uh, let's do it. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Oh dear. Another dogged contender. Welcome, unkindled one. Purloiner of cinders. Mind you, the mantle of Lord interests me none. The fire-linking curse, the legacy of Lords, let it all fade into nothing. You've done quite enough. Now have your rest. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Joshua Garrity. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat. It is a uh, kindled favorite. Yes, and this week we are talking about the Grand Archives continuing our siege on Lothric Castle. And as you heard... And Lothric Boy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like we're here for the castle and we're here for the boy. Yep. Oh, gosh. It's like that song, Don't Take the Boy. Yeah. That's a people who listen to country in the early 2000s will know that. Uh, Joshua, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, no problem at all. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, you've guessed it before, and people uh, might know you from uh, from the Cane and Rinse podcast. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, your history with souls. Yeah. So um, for anyone who didn't listen to the uh, Bloodborne episode I was on, um, I come from the Cane and Rinse podcast. Um, the Cane and Rinse podcast kind of has a similar concept to Watch Out for Fireballs, um, we're slightly more, um, so you guys kind of take, uh, your audience through the game, uh, moment by moment, whereas we'll kind of talk about broadly about gameplay and, and story and big chunks. Um, so it's a very different style. So if you're a fan of watch out for fireballs, um, come listen to Kane and Rince cause it's similar concept, but slightly different structure um there's nine uh, no there's 10 of us now um there's 10 of us on that po see there's so many of us I, I lose count um there's 10 of us on that show and we have like a rotating host structure um that means that we can kind of um cover games that maybe some of the other team members aren't interested in but also kind of bring in some different opinions and, and stuff like that making sure that the uh podcast isn't just either 
a hate fest or a love fest kind of having a more dynamic conversation and um uh, and yeah and just trying to get as many different voices on the podcast as possible um so as as far as souls goes um i i came to uh, dark souls quite late i didn't play it until 2013 and um that was because of uh, James's help, actually. Um, James, who you had um, earlier in the season, um, he uh, guided me through the early areas of Dark Souls and kind of explained to me um, the stuff that Dark Souls does a bad job of explaining to you, um, like humanity and, and just um, getting to grips with the structure of the world. But at a certain point, I was like, oh, wait, this is 3D Symphony of the Night. And then from that point onwards, I was okay uh, on my own. And then, yeah, I've gone back to play Demon Souls. I've played Dark Souls 2 and obviously Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne. And I pretty much... Uh, so I love I love Dark Souls 1 and I love Bloodborne and I love Demon Souls. I really like Dark Souls 2, especially post... Um, Post Scholar of the First Sin and and the DLC, I think all of that stuff is like some of the best stuff in the series. I have um, a similar relationship to this game as you guys have expressed throughout the entire season, in that I think Dark Souls Three is mechanically really satisfying. Um, most of it, there are some moments that are frustrating, but most of the most of Dark Souls Three is a mechanical success. But I, I have to. I'm. I think I'm even harsher um, than you guys on the story. I think it's a complete mess. Um, and um, sorry, you know, fans of the show who get frustrated about the constant ragging on the, the law <laughs> stuff. I'm not. I'm probably going to contribute to that stuff uh, on this episode. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Dark Souls Three is kind of a failure of narrative with a few bits um, peppered throughout that are successful, but mostly it's kind of a mess. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sympathetic to that. Like, even if there are things that, that I do like, and the, the we'll, we'll talk about it, uh, you know, in a month or yeah. so, but the DLC right pissed me off uh, in that <laughs> yeah, respect. Yeah. Like, I, I was so, you know, publicly skeptical of the, like, oh, Krusty's going to get here attitude of, of the DLC. <laughs> even though I engaged in it, you know, cause I couldn't help, but you know, Oh, this is the company that has literally made the best DLC outside of like throne of ball, you know, like since, yeah. since late, you know, late 1990s CRPG expansion packs. Like this is the best DLC ever. And I, I, you know, I can't help it, but had like pretty high hopes and uh, the, the DLC underlined a lot, you know, didn't answer things for me and underlined a lot of problems uh, mechanically and narratively for me. So I probably, you know, do fall a little bit kinder than it's an absolute, you know, train wreck. But like, I'm, I see where you're coming from. And I think that we're probably, there's a big Venn diagram overlap yep. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's funny cause it's, it's something that like, as, as I get older and, and play games more for a podcast or more for examination and stuff, like it's super valuable. It, it starts, starts becoming valuable to me, whether, you know, I end up thinking something is good or bad, you know, um, like, uh, every once in a while, someone will contact us and be like, you guys don't like this game. Why are you still doing this? And it's like, well, it's, it's valuable to learn why you don't like something. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's absolutely. valuable to see the way something can not work too. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was being very, very harsh there. I, I think 
this is very much a game of two halves for me. Um, and I really love one half of it and really dis dislike the other half. Ultimately, this still, despite all my problems of Dark Souls 3, it's still one of my favorite games of the year that I've played so far. And I think that's just a testament to the kind of um, base level talent um, that From Software can, you know, bring to bear. Like, these guys, even when they're off their game, are still better than most people out there. Um, mm. But I think you can't not judge you know the series on a curve and this just when you compare the um just the level of care that went into putting all those details in the world uh, for Lordran in the first dark souls when you feel like uh, like as you you've said like um over and over again on in this season gary like there was a sense that you know you had most of the pieces of the puzzle in Dark Souls 1, even if you didn't have all of them. So you could build this tapestry of a narrative in, in your mind. Whereas with Dark Souls 3, it's like having a puzzle where there's some random pieces from some other puzzle set. So you can fill out like half the puzzle and then you've got this big chunky piece that doesn't fit anywhere and you're trying to stick it in, but it doesn't stick in. And then some guy just comes over with a hammer and forces it in and goes, see, it works. It totally works. I, I, I've made a bunch of my own puzzle pieces. I'm sorry they're not regulation, but I think they'll probably fit. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't bought a jigsaw because of this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you yeah. um, there. Let's, yeah. uh, let's talk about it because there's a lot of uh, kind of stuff that relates to all these kind of halves, like the mechanical and narrative half in this area we're talking about today. Um, as the game kind of wraps into a close, like we're actually pretty close to, to having done everything. Yeah, this is rising uh, to a climax. Yeah. What did uh, what did we do last time, Cole? Well, previously, uh, we, uh, as, as I mentioned before, we laid siege on the kingdom's inner keep, Lothric Castle, um, under the red sky of this unsettling eclipse that looks like a dark sign. Uh, we fought some dragons. We uh, defeated a suit of ancient armor. We looked at some cool-ass butterflies. Um, and now it is time to take this short little detour, um, until we get to the very top of Lothric castle. Um, and Gary, you're going to notice that I left the lore section here empty because there are only so many times that I can say, uh, the, the, <laughs> the royalty has uh, locked themselves away and uh, a bunch of people are trying to get to them, including you. There's, I mean, there's a little bit. There's some stuff that we'll we'll run into the things yeah, that are yeah. worth talking about. So like this is you know this is a place of scholarship. This is a place where there were scholars that were uh, had connection to Seath, uh, who who kind of uh, you know this is part of the kingdom where that that studying happened. So this is where you know there were scholars from the archives that influenced Osiris. Um, mm -hmm. This is uh, you know there are some statuary. That we're going to talk about that suggests some things about yeah. that. Um, the scholar that convinced Lothric not to to rekindle mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, presumably from here yeah. uh, is named as as. But um, it's such a part of just the castle, like yeah. so much so that we literally just kind of go back into the castle. <laughs> right. This is this. it's a little bit of a uh, um, nightmare of Mensis Murgo's loft kind of situation. Yes. Yeah, it's like almost. it's a library in, in an area we've yeah. we've dealt with. Yeah. And this is like this is the house of one of the three pillars. Like the scholars are there along, you know, with the knights and the and, and the priest. 
you and know, the hand. And the, and the, and the hand. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the, the 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 secret fourth pillar, the secret hand. Um, yeah. Uh, so this the, this does kind of stand out, and you know, this is where again where the callback kind of works for me because mm-hmm. of that Seath connection, because I have such tremendous affection for the Duke's archives, which people who play Dark Souls one will you know obviously remember it's one of the end game areas and this is very clearly deliberately trying to recall that it it totally is i've I've heard people have made arguments when they're kind of making a kind of a grand argument about uh dark souls 3 not having that many callbacks like oh it's just a library it's not like the archives and it's like (laughs) no like this this is very much it's called the archives and it's where you find the crystal stuff yeah Yeah. it's very much like a a, you know a seat's zone yeah um and you know there's a couple other gimmicks to it but it is like saying that this is not meant to be specifically a callback to the duke's archive i think is willfully you know kind of obtuse yeah however you know this this works for me because it is a uh it's it's a an architectural one as opposed to just like yeah. a straight up you know seeing somebody come back aside from the crystal sage that we see here before but i like the way the crystal sage is used so even that gets a little bit of a pass for for me, this area has just enough new ideas to kind of like give it, you know, I, I like this area as well. Yeah. There are a couple of places that kind of fall, fall down for me, but for the most part, I like this area from a gameplay and uh, kind of place in the world perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have any kind of like what are kind of first impression or uh, high level thoughts on this, Josh, before we get into the nitty gritty of it? Yeah. Um, so like you said, um, I, I have a, uh, but you know, very strong feelings towards the the Duke's archives. It's it's one of my favorite favorite areas um, um, in the original Dark Souls, and I I just personally really love that concept of like a hall of learning um, in in video games and and just uh, fantasy fiction in general. Um, but one of the things that um, that really struck me about this area is. Um, you mentioned the gimmicks, but the, the, there are quite a few kind of cool ideas here, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in detail. But I like that it um, kind of presented you with something really familiar in terms of the the layout of the level and kind of the progression of the level. But they they really kind of subvert your expectations of um, uh, certain kind of boss characters and, and and stuff like that, where they reuse a, a boss in a really clever way. Um, which I'm sure is the first thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's um, you know, the the fact that it's still introducing these new ideas this late in the game, um, yeah. is is something that does call back to, to Dark Souls One for me. You know, like there's yeah. a lot of uh, people kind of throw a lot of shade at the second half of Dark Souls One where they don't like it the areas as much once you get the Lord Vessel, and part of it is they can't ramp up the difficulty because you can visit them in any order. Uh, but each of those four areas you can go to after you get the Lord Vessel, each has a, a very distinct kind of like new idea behind it. Uh, and yeah. that's something I really, really value. Um, and this area kind of calls back to that. Like as much as, you know, Lothric Castle was kind of just a castle. Um, <laughs> it was a cool castle, you know, uh, but it was it was just kind of like a fortified area that you're making your way into. We've done that a bunch of times. This is introducing kind of fresh gimmicks, not just for the game, but for the series um, this late in the game. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and is that, you know, so before we actually head up there, um, we, you know, come from the, this is the, uh, the famed bonfire you can see from another bonfire, <laughs> uh, thing where there's a tiny, we finish the dragon slayer. It gives us a bonfire cause every, every boss does that. 
and then you uh, you go through this bridge. Um, we if we kind of look around a little bit, we can see uh, there's a bridge above us, which ultimately goes back into the castle. That's where we're going. Um, and these uh, these primordial serpents uh, statues. We're gonna see a lot of these things, <laughs> um, kind of in different uh, you know different configurations here. Yeah. Uh, but we see them see them this early. Yeah. Um, the primordial serpents, obviously, being kind of the secret puppet masters um, behind the events of Dark Souls One, uh, particularly King Seeker Frampt, and then uh, Darkstalker Kath, the uh, very goofy uh, kind of rabbit dragon kind of dudes who pop up, snore, have bad breath, and weird little lip flaps that look like mustaches. Yes, and Kath uh, is associated in this game with the Sable Church of Londor, um, in something that we all thought was going to be explained in the DLC. <laughs> uh, that wasn't, and maybe we'll be uh, in the second DLC when Krusty finally gets here. We'll look at that explanation, but um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but you can you can literally see the bonfire from here. Um, this bothers me less than other people. Uh, it bothers other people. I feel like like bonfire density is not something that like gets on my nerves when levels are designed around it. Right. And the frequency of uh, this area actually is really really good with shortcuts and and the like. This is a pretty well designed level. Yeah. Um, and does not have frequent bonfires. It's just this one right here, which, you know, I, I didn't I didn't miss like having to run that extra 30 yards. <laughs> you know, it did. This did not bother me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the um, we get here and there's a body lying in front of the gate. Um, and this is kind of important because if you kill the dancer early, this is as far as you can get. Right. Um, in the level. And because this gate is just locked. Um, however, like a corpse just kind of appears here in mm -hmm. one of the sloppier gatekeeping things right you know like happens here we talked about the teleport a lot after the profaned capital um you know this is kind of a like goofy you can move forward now <laughs> and uh this, this is a this is an important character yes this is actually a, a you know specifically uh gothard gothard yeah. how, uh, how do you say this i I, I, I say goddard does that sound right to you joshua uh yeah yeah that sounds correct Yes, it's probably better than Gotthard, <laughs> right? Because he's he's not an energy drink, like he's not a, he's not a male <laughs> enhancement pill. Like he he should have it. It's probably Goddard. Yeah. So. Um. So the, 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 there's uh, I've seen two different things. So either this is Goddard because it's holding the key that is attributed to Goddard and uh, carrying Goddard's twin swords. Also, if you if you look at the corpse, it has sheaths for different kinds of swords than we've seen Goddard using. So it could be one or the other. I like it being Goddard just because we know that he's a solid bro, um, but he was, you know, kind of like fleeing when, when he knew stuff was going bad to the archives, which he knew was safe. Yes, and was killed by something. Right. Um, when I first got here, I thought it was somebody who threw themselves off the roof. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, I don't I don't really like how this is triggered. But like, oh, if people are literally killing themselves, yeah, you know, it's like what's going on behind this door? It's like, oh, the the eclipse has started, and all of a sudden, you know, shit's going Jonestown. You know, yeah, yeah, and I kind of like that. Now I don't, I don't really know uh, why why he's here, um, but he is the, he is the king's black hand. He's the 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 head of his kind of assassins guild, or, or yeah. you know, uh, his KGB yes, or whatever. The, the, the hunters. Um, yes. If you if you look at the uh, the hunter's ring, it talks about the black hand uh, being being those something that's kind of informed here just by the just by the key that we've seen um, is uh, that the Grand Archive sealed itself up once the Puss of Man started invading uh, the Wall of Lothric. However, we've never seen the Puss of Man actually trying to make an attack on anything. Mm. <laughs> so I don't I, I I guess I get it, but we just haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, and this could be to protect. I mean. It's kind of if 
it doesn't seem like this should be the only way to get to the prince. You right. know, like you have to go through this. Uh, it's like getting a two bedroom um, or like a two bathroom apartment where you have to go through one of the rooms to get to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. You know, or something like that. Like, it seems like this is not the only way to get there. But if it is, uh, you know, they, they could be protecting the prince mm-hmm. from this spreading corruption. Um, but yeah. So we, we get in here uh, into the, this kind of lobby area. And this is where we're introduced to like what this, the aesthetic of this area. Like the books check them out. Kind of a kind of thing. Books, really? Books check them out. <laughs> that's what I like to call it. Books check them out. Yeah, no, like the book just... check, that's what it's. It's the books check them out archives. Yeah, no, I'm just picturing uh, like that, that's like a poster, right? That you saw in yeah. a library once. Okay, oh, that, that, that's a that's an old um like old campaign about books. Oh, like book awareness for kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like media, movies, you watch them good. <laughs> movies, just watch them good. Books are like movies for your mind. Action figures. Play with them with your hands. <laughs> Food with your mouth. My slogan is instructions. <laughs> um, so books check them out is the name of the game. As you're introduced to our old friend, uh, Crystal Sage 2, which we knew he had a brother or a twin or what have you. I think that an earlier item description associated with the first Crystal Sage mentions that there are multiple crystal sages yes so there was one who uh fled to farron in order to kind of teach them uh their ways and one that stuck around in the grand archives um in order to inform the magic there yes um and this is the uh that the trope of a boss character being kind of demoted to mini boss yeah kind yeah. of thing uh devoted uh, demoted to like environmental threat um i really like this game of cat and mouse with this guy Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it's one of the more um, successful little set pieces um, in Dark Souls 3. Just, you know, running up to him and getting as many slashes in before he disappears somewhere else and kind of working out this route to his um, second location or third location. It was really, it was, it was really fun. Um, it's one of the rare occasions where um, Dark Souls 3 is... Um, trying to make something tactically interesting rather than frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. Because I didn't find this difficult. This encounter is fairly um, easy. Uh, I mean, easy on, you know, on the Dark Souls scale. But um, yeah, it's just really fun to chase him through this built, uh, building um, and uh, kind of work out the best route to get to him. It's, it's, I think it's a clever piece of... Um, you know, design, using the environment and an enemy in unison to create a, a really clever little set piece. Yeah. The sense that I get is that I'm fighting somebody who's really competent and also on their own turf. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a real spin because it's, I mean, there are new ideas here. This is a new spin on channelers, which were the other archives things, which also harried you with magic missiles and teleported around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, what if a channeler was, you know, much tougher, had a much expanded move set? you know, to this, um, like the first time I ran into this guy, I actually saw, or this, not the first time, this last time when I was playing for review, um, I had something that never happened before, which, uh, the second time I ran into him, which hasn't come up yet, but I'll bring it up now while we're talking about him. Um, he was using exclusively melee <laughs> and that's uh, never happened to me before. I've never seen a crystal sages melee attack. I know the other one can do it as well. Yeah. Um, and it was, He's not like strong in melee, but it was so shocking and weird <laughs> that it actually like took me by surprise, and I ended up having to, like roll away and, and regroup and everything, um, which was super cool. And that's something that like the channelers will like try to whack you and stuff, but they're just, I feel like they're just not as uh, unpredictable as uh, as this guy is. Yeah. Um, in that respect, so 
pretty cool. And just having him disappear and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, is uh, is really effective. Yeah. And it gets you the big thing is, you know, you're going to have these magic missiles coming from from up above. It gets you looking at the verticality of the space <sighs> and gets you kind of look trying to wrap your mind around how this place is laid out yep. uh, because, you know, and this is this is, this is not a serious criticism, but like boy does this not seem like a place people would actually like be around and <laughs> yeah, how it's laid yeah. out like uh, the grand archive or the the duke's archives was like two big halls full of books with some stairs I'm mm-hmm. like okay you know that this seems like a thing uh this is this winding you know ridiculous like double back nightmare <laughs> with just so like a, some rooms are just featureless they don't have books they're just like little passages and stuff like there this does not feel like the sense of place does not is not important to this place and it's fine that it doesn't have that yeah but it needs to do something to get you kind of looking around because this is not going to be laid out like a place people would live or actually work yeah they're definitely propping up it's the 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 scan cohesion with atmosphere yes you know is yeah. uh is is the sense that i get here and it's it's fine like i i think that this is actually very well designed from a play standpoint but like oh, this, the, 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 yeah. the second that you think that this is that you start looking at this as a logical space, it, it completely falls down. And uh, our good old friend, the Astrolabe, comes back. Finally. <laughs> yep. I yep. missed you, baby. <laughs> we have we have Astrolabes. And we've got uh, we've got telescopes. Like they yep. brought some friends. <laughs> yeah, like the weird kids from <laughs> across the street. I'm a compass. <laughs> Go back to protractor land. Yeah, everybody thinks I'm a protractor, but oh, really a compass. Huh? <laughs> Leave. Um, <laughs> get all kinds of dork tools uh, you know, out here. And as so, uh, one of the things again, just some sugar talking about Dark Souls Three. Um, the enemy we're introduced here are these uh, the little uh, God. What are they called? Mm. Um, the little slaves. The little... Oh yeah, the uh, the the undead thralls. Yeah, the thralls. Which, like, something that um, we talked about this when we just did the Resident Evil episode for Watch Out for Fireballs. But, like, I love when a video game makes an enemy scale. Mm -hmm. Um, Because these were some of the first enemies we fought way back in the Undead Settlement. And they are still a threat here. And, like, yes, they're buffed. But they are more of a threat because of layout and ambush and and things like that than they are just having, you know, just being a tougher version. Like being a Grey Ogre or Groger in Final (laughs) Fantasy terms. They, uh... they, they were always able to cling to surfaces, like even even uh, going back to like Undead Settlement or uh, um, what, what am I thinking of here? The, the Cathedral of the Deep, especially here. Mm-hmm. It's especially striking to like just look up at these massive book uh, bookcases and just see them just like waiting in ambush for you. Like it feels like they come out of nowhere. It's like, no, they're actually just like just just biding their time. They filed them. They filed themselves under D for death from above. <laughs> Yep. These the uh I like the idea of that being their job when they are here too. <laughs> like cuz there there are a couple of like stairs and ladders that like will go up to books but there isn't a whole, you know, there isn't an infrastructure for reaching a lot of the books. Mm-hmm. In this so you have these little guys that climb up and you can just be like get me this. It's, and he climbs up the wall, grabs the book and climbs back down. It's a library staffed entirely by the gymnast from Ocean's 11. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um so I I like those guys um we kind of make make our way around and they actually got me to like, I think as far as enemies in this area up until you get to the last half, like the other enemy we run into with significance here uh, is not really a threat. Right. Um, I died from thralls more than, than those guys until you actually get to the rooftops and things get serious. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we work our way into this kind of, kind of dark moody atmospheric area and we see kind of at the end of this hallway, 
um, this kind of grim procession of these kind of like priestly enemies in these robes. Um, and we can see that they've got kind of this white, white substance all over them. And this is our um, introduction to the Grand Archive scholars. Um, and when I saw their attacks and when I saw this whole wax kind of thing, I think that I, I texted you, Gary, like this, yeah. you know, like it felt like we were just, somebody was designing us, like trying to bait us into talking about body fluids. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like there, there are a lot of people who listen to the show who don't listen to our other shows. Right. And uh, we have a show called Abject Suffering and like, I, you know, come comes up a whole lot. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, just, like, just to... Go back and listen to the, uh, to, to the uh, Scott and uh, Davin. Uh, Dave, oh yeah. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Like yeah, that was a part of the summer of come as well. That's Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the summer we'll never forget. The um, it, <laughs> but it, it is like that's I mean that's it that's what and they they literally make spray for days like it is yeah. they, yeah. they skeet attack like it's amazing yeah. it's like little dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh. it's weird that they're not climbing up the walls because they're spider manning everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I mean, like even if you're not taking like the um. Uh, body fluid thing like these guys are really into their wax play like mm-hmm. uh, it's just like like i i you know i i know some people like having a little bit of wax from a candle but imagine you know you're having relations with one of these guys and they bring out like an iron bucket full of scalding <laughs> like hot Alec wax candle. and they're just like <laughs> Dunk me, dunk me, like dunk me now. Um, it's just, oh my god! I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just picturing like these, you know, these wax boys are just, you know, having fun, and then you come along, and I'm just imagining like, if I hadn't turned up, would these guys still be in their robes? Is that like, is uh, have I interrupted a party here? That's, uh, um, yeah, but. Uh, Anyway, I can't tell if your track. eyes are wide shut. The wax is obscuring them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was basic instinct, but the first time I saw somebody like dump some wax on some dude's nipple, I think it might have been that. And it, it is very funny to imagine like, you know, Sharon Stone or whatever, dipping a little bit of wax and the guy like being like, you know, he's blindfolded and he's like, oh, and then <laughs> he just goes in back and just starts pulling out like candle after candle. <laughs> just like a big pile and then just you know a, a blowtorch and it starts melting wax like <laughs> just 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 wax boards them yeah <laughs> uh, um, oh, oh gosh uh so so there's something uh that that kind of came up to me uh for this so remember way way back to demon souls the maiden in black um you know kind of going with the motif of any of the kind of shrine maiden kind of people uh, wasn't able to see, but that's because her eyes were occluded with wax. Mm-hmm. I wonder if yeah. that has any relationship to this because, you know, <laughs> it's fun to imagine that this is some kind of kinky fetish play, but they're actually serving a purpose um, or this wax serves a purpose because they're kind of doing this to inoculate themselves um, against this danger that they've surrounded themselves with almost like this this gives them their power and also protects them from the danger that that, that power can you know uh, unleash right I, I don't know if the, the wax gives them i mean it gives them power because they can shoot wax but like dipping a head oh, i mean the, this, the, like, the, the, the power to like read it read and uh interpret these um oh gosh yeah the text and stuff like that like to, to like to do, to do their job yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I bet you it doesn't have anything because, like, Hawkeye Go also or Goff had also had his eyes occluded by wax. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it means any. I don't think there's a relation. Okay, I just it just it came to me. I hadn't even thought about it before I started speaking. No. 
It, um, I mean, there is something to like, I think that, you know, because if you look at the purposes uh, of the wax, like for, for Goff and for Maiden in Black, it is like to, to blind them. Mm-hmm. If you want to like be super stretchy, you can say like, oh, they're being blinded to the, the dark side of the tomes of like what they're reading, mm-hmm. you know, like they're not. And that's symbolized by the little hand, like curse hand stuff that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so like kind of. But the mm-hmm. functions are so different that like if it's a if it's a like an homage or if there's a connection, it's not like a hard like this is what wax does in this world. Yeah. You know, it's more just kind of like a poetic like they're echo, they're like echoes. Mm. It's like poetry. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that the, that's the uh, it's one of those style things as opposed to something that's actually interesting or useful cosmology of the world. Yeah. Um, but it is it, like that is what's happening. And the fact that you can you can do this yourself. So like after you kill these guys and. They're easy. They're like low-level caster enemies. Right. You know, go down a couple hits. But um, boy, do they have a lot of souls. Um, it's kind of crazy. Do they? If, yeah. If you wanted to like farm these guys, you totally could. I've, I've never, I've never farmed them. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting. The um, the the when I first came up to this like wax pit and it, like, what is the prompt? Is it like, is it dunk head? <laughs> it's like dip head in wax. Is is literally yeah. what it says, Mister? Like, you're turning yourself into a candle. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I like I, you know, delight. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, you know, and then when you do it and you get the same head that they have and I'm like, I have like and it took me an embarrassing long time to figure out what it did. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just like, this is so good. Like, why wouldn't I be a wax boy for this like fun wax <laughs> adventure? Like, I'll, I'll join these guys. These guys seem cool. Uh, <laughs> like, it, I like the fact that you could do it yourself was delightful to me yep. and for reasons I can't quite explain. I mean, it, oh. it's it's kind of in the same vein as a uh, curl up into ball. Yeah. To pretend yeah, to be an egg. Yeah. Yeah. It's like doing something explicitly very silly in these games is very like, <laughs> you know, is refreshing. Yeah. Like, and it's it's so silly. <laughs> I uh, I have to I have to admit um, the uh, when I played this originally, um, uh, I had no idea you could do this. Um, hmm. So I went through the entirety of this section um just panically running through these ghostly hands not knowing that there was a counter to it this entire time that i was just completely ignoring um and finding that out after the fact um was a real you know head slap moment because these hands were a real problem for me throughout mm. this entire level. Not like unmanageable. I, I was able to get through and, and I, I don't think they're frustratingly difficult to deal with. But if I had known that I could just, you know, dunk my head in some wax and I'm A-OK, I don't have to panic through the this this section of the game. I, I would have, yeah, I would have loved to have known that. But I, I just... You know, guys, my first instinct isn't to stick my head in a huge <laughs> vat of wax. You know, yeah. I, I associate that with, you know, pain and, and suffering. So um, that wasn't my first instinct. But, yeah, unfortunately, I made I made this section of the game difficult for myself. I'll admit, I kind of worried that there was going to be some kind of like big waxy hands that like reached out and grabbed me. Like that was going to yeah. be like a real sucker kind of thing. But I mean, Dark Souls does instant death, but that'd be just like a bit too much. But I had that moment of hesitation. But like you, you watch them do it. And it's just kind of like, oh, oh, OK. Like they're they're mm-hmm. they're demonstrating it, which I think is which I think is neat. But I don't blame anybody for thinking that you're just like, it not occurring to them to go check this out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I admit that I was emboldened by the fact that there was a bonfire like pretty recently. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it could have been like, oh, you come back with half your health. 
you mm-hmm. know, like it could have been like a curse situation or something like that. And I'm glad it wasn't. I just right. kind of rolled the dice. Like, you know, these guys seem like cool dudes. <laughs> um, it was like literally my my thought process yeah. um, behind that. There's also um, a much tougher enemy here, um, another Lothric knight. Um, these are not the same ones as the red-eyed ones we just dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys do a crystal buff on their stuff uh, if you let them. And uh, they uh, are not nearly as hard as the red-eyed knights with the healers, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it also helps that at least here you're not encountering a whole bunch of them at once. Yeah. Um, like they're not escalating each of these things. Uh, but yeah, like the one that you find here, kind of like back around in the stacks, um, he's a thrust. He's a thrusty lawn. Like he has a mm-hmm. he has a spear, which is uh, which is pretty difficult, especially when kind of uh, paired up with his shield bash that all these guys have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, back here, you find the crystal chime, um, which is, you know, again, one of these hybrid casting items. Uh, you you can cast both miracles and sorceries. The story beat for this is that this belonged to Gertrude, um, the uh, kind of heretic daughter um, or maiden, rather, who uh, kind of inspired this whole kind of uh, uh, sect that is that is attacking Lothric from from within. The war with the angels. Yes. You know, and we're going to get more to her. Yeah. Her pretty soon. Um, yeah. Um, there are lots of crystal lizards here. Uh, just kind of, you know, anywhere that's associated with crystals is going to have crystal lizards. Um, they tend to be in, you know, kind of trap locations here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, excuse, pardon. Um, the, uh, and so the, the books that we mentioned um, have these little, like, curse hands coming out of it uh, that are kind of, like, pretty silly looking, I think. Yeah. Um, in, in a way that like, I'm not used to, like, I like when things look you know kind of silly in these games and this is, this kind of hits that for me. Like they look like they're from like a Zelda game or something. Yeah. They look, they look yeah. kind of like Epic Mickey things. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, these things are, they're refugees from kingdom hearts. <laughs> like if they were yeah. black color, it'd be like, Oh, this is on the Island of misfit books and some fucking stupid game that I don't care about. Um, <laughs> were they like, were they like, Oh God, the plot is getting too convoluted in this series. Let's go over to a series with a nice clear. Oh no. Oh God. What'd you do? <laughs> two, two series of nice clear timelines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 365 divided by two days. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, so the, uh, they, they look really silly. Mechanically, I like them, though, once, you know, with the wax. or You have this kind of limited time immunity, kind of recalls, you know, New Londo ruins, um, where you can kind of get past these guys. Otherwise, you can just make a run. They hurt you a little bit. Um, they build up curse relatively quickly. Right. Um, but, uh, and until later, like early on, they're not really a problem, but they actually ramp up the complexities pretty well. And when they start introducing books that have been left out on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's really like a devious trap that I really love. Like there's a part that gets me every single time where like I run in to get some treasure, I get fairly cursed and I start running out thinking mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm clear. And then there are some books on the floor and, and I have to run a little bit further than I think. They pop up like spears from the floor in an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is so the way they introduced these, or at least when, when they first got me, like you're in this dark room and like at the very opposite end uh, next to this lever is a, uh, is, is a body with a glowing item on it. And you think, OK, well, I'm going to go up here. I'll probably be a, a, a shitty, a shitty little soul. And that's fine. Whatever. And you pick it up and that, that puts you right in range for the first one of these to grab you. Mm-hmm. Like that is a <laughs> that is a wonderful little ambush that they, uh, that they, they set up. Say- when you say grab, it's just like they just kind of paw you, right? Like, yeah, is there an yeah. There, there's no, okay. yeah. There, there's no. They're incorporeal, so they can't like bind you. But like they're they're reaching and grasping is what it looks like. Yeah, I just thought maybe there was like a, a attack I didn't see. Oh yeah, like you if know? you if you hung around. 
Yeah, they just kind of misa you. They yeah. just kind of paw at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, paw at you gently. Yeah. Um, J- Joshua, so, like, that would change, like, the entire texture of this level if you were just trying to, like, rush past these guys. Like, did the curse bite ring help you at all? Like, did you just try and, like, re- retool to be as curse-resistant as possible? Because, like, curse um, isn't a... Isn't, it's bad news in this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did end up, um, you know, uh, using the curse bite ring and, and stuff like that, but... Ultimately, um, that there are paths that you can take where um, your kind of curse buildup is at a minimum, and for me, it kind of just became about learning those pathways and um, navigating those narrow. I mean, there were basically these narrow walkways between bookcases where, if you ran through them, it wasn't that big a problem. And um yeah and and it gets worse the closer you are to the bookcase so as long as you're kind of just from you know poking distance you're you're pretty okay um but yeah i i i didn't i i did i wish i knew about the the you know the head dunking thing but i never i never found this frustrating um mainly because i think um the the game does a good job of uh I, I think it does a good... I'm going to say it does a good job of telegraphing these things, but then not really being able to explain why. I always just had a good instinct for when this was going to happen. Um, it just... I, I, there might be a subtle kind of cue in terms of the art direction on which bookcases um, trigger it, but I kind of felt like I knew which ones to avoid and and so forth and so on. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's totally doable, but I wouldn't recommend it if you're <laughs> if you're looking to do like a challenge run or anything yeah. like that. I, I may be off base here, but it feels like there's a little bit of uh, um, anticipation on their attack too. Like I don't yeah. think it kicks in right away. I think there that is. they oh, the, yeah. okay, yeah. Like the, yeah. the the hands will appear, like reel back, and then kind of reach out. And I think that there's enough to like you know if you want to roll out of the way or, or get your distance, you have a brief window for it. I don't know if they actually draw back, but there is a slight delay between when the hands eject and the damage and curse starts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a beat, yeah. you know, of like, oh, something's happening, you know, and then, <laughs> then you can get out of there, which like, I'm, you know, that could have been way harsher. And I'm kind of surprised <laughs> that it's not, you know, the fact yeah. that n- none of our us three actually had very much of a problem with these things. They were just kind of a fun hazard to avoid as opposed yeah. to like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking curse. I like, you know, shows like. Uh, you know, a good design, I think. Yeah, they used a they used a light touch, which is which is nice. Yeah. Um, and also, like a, a, a cursed book that literally kills you by being near it will always work. Yeah, uh, not yeah, just for us; a, it will always work. It's a, it'll always curse. It's a, it's a little bit on the nose, like the idea of them oh, literally, yeah. like you know, the the haunted knowledge of these things is actually <laughs> ghost arms. Yep. Um, you know, a little bit. Um, there's a little, there's a lever here that you can lock to get to a secret area that I find frustrating, mm-hmm. um, where you get, uh, the witch's locks, uh, which is a whip made of the hair of the witch of Isla, um, and, uh, the power within. So, you know, why, like what, like, what, <laughs> yeah. why do we need a connection to Isolith here? Like, again, just the thing, oh, a, a big, you know, cork board full of threads with just connections that oh. don't lead to anything. Like there's a heavy Isolith presence here yeah in a hidden all, room why all that i can think of is this is uh like a like a reliquary almost 
um, and that pyromancy is kind of maybe forbidden or something like that. We know that uh, Lorien, the older brother of Lothric, went and slayed the, the you know the demon prince or something like that. Prince, yeah, yeah, and that maybe this was kind of part of the spoils of that, possibly. And where else to store mythical, powerful artifacts um, than amongst the other mythical, powerful artifacts? That's all I like, can I, think of. I, I think. I think that would make more sense to me if this was like some kind of lab, you know, lab or something like that, where they're just kind of collecting these artifacts from distant parts of the world and kind of, you know, keeping them all together along with these dark experiments going on. But this is a library. This is just this is just <laughs> books. And I, yeah. I just don't think it really makes sense here. Yeah, because we, we find scrolls and stuff. Which which makes sense, you know, like that that kind of thing makes sense. But finding weapons in the closed stacks like doesn't doesn't make very much sense. And if if what you know, I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong, Cole, but like yeah. I would have loved something in the description that said like this was brought back from the pilgrimage of like you know Lorian's pilgrimage. Like it's not like we couldn't have used more background on that trip that yeah. Lorian took. Um, instead, it just means like oh, like now Isleth is in play <laughs> in addition to Seath. In addition to Lothric, yeah. in addition to the dragons, mm -hmm. and the profane flame, in addition flame. to Don't the about profane that. flame, yep. like <laughs> in addition to the serpents, in addition to like it just goes on and on and on, and like you like there's no addition by subtraction in this game, mm -hmm. you know there's there's no like focus, and like that this is one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it's is it a, ultimately a big deal? No, but as a cumulative thing of just every area having connections to every other thing. You know, it uh, it grinds my gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, you couldn't have found a better place for this. You know, like you couldn't you couldn't and you couldn't have tied it in better. Like some ge gears mildly. You know, I don't want to you know trigger an appearance by the torqued off gamer like my my werewolf like alter ego that just, just <laughs> screams about, you know, <laughs> screams about games for, yeah. for nine minutes on YouTube. But like this is uh, it, it, it. My little torque meter goes up a little bit about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and putting a viable whip this late in the game is frustrating too. as somebody who enjoys whips and whip whip fests. Um, I would like to have a better whip a little bit early. Like you can't get like if you could get if this wasn't blocked off after you killed the dancer, you know, maybe you could make a run and actually do a witch's locks run of the game. Yeah. Uh, as is like this is just for the item description. Like no one's ever going to use this thing. Yeah. You know, at least for PVE. Maybe it's useful for PVP, but. No. It, it looks really cool if you watch a video of its uh, of its weapon art. Like it's it's pretty nifty, mm -hmm. but yeah, and it's made of human hair, which is which is kind of cool and gross. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> essentially just a dreadlock. Oh like, God, stop it, like, Gary! <laughs> don't say dreadlock. Hair is so gross. Yeah, is, uh, yeah. Um, uh, there's a so so as you emerge from this dark room, you can kick you can kick a ladder down for a, just a, a, sh a small little shortcut. There's only one um, bonfire in this area, the one outside the front gate. Everything is, uh, um, you know, instead of finding another bonfire, you just find a quicker way back down to the first floor. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're like they're meaningful shortcuts. Yeah, like each one you can find, I think, is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, if you want to do some yeah. rolling, you can get the apple in. Again, uh, kind of echoing the uh, placement of the Avalon in Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Okay. Um, up to the second level, the middles uh, here. Um, this is where we're going to get attacked by the Sage again. Um, there are more of these wax-headed dudes and more book. Like, it's kind of everything that we saw in the first level. Like, this is a, you know, in some ways, like, as, again, like, I'm there's some, some negativity here, but some pretty classic game design. Because I do feel like they've introduced all of these threats individually 
kind of slowly on the first level. And then literally as you go up to the second level of the archives, everything is kind of ramped up in new configuration. So you're still just running into the same enemies, lots of thralls, the uh, the Crystal Sage, lots of Candle Scholars, but they are in different configurations and there are more of them. You know, it's like, what if, what if there are thralls buy some books? You know, <laughs> um, they're going to try to lure you in. Or, or what if there are, you know, a, a Crystal Scholar at the top of a, a set of stairs plus some thralls on top of a set of stairs throwing, you know, firebombs at you with one above him on the wall. You know, like this is this is very ambush heavy and very uh, small, compact configurations of enemies. You kind of have to approach like a puzzle, uh, which are some of my favorite Dark Souls things that can happen. Yeah. You know, and you're also encouraged to keep moving through a lot of it because of the curse books. So if you didn't stock up on immunity, like you can stop and kind of smell the roses, but you're constantly being harried as well by the curse books and by the Crystal Sage zapping you from a distance. So there's a really nice kind of, I feel like, balance between like driving you forward into ambushes uh, that kind of happens continuously through this middle stretch. Yeah. No, you summed it up. Like, I really enjoy uh, the fact that you feel so exposed um, when you're up here. And those uh, the, those stairways actually become these really uh, effective choke points for the enemies. Like, there, mm. there, there are several times where just like, oh, they're like... I I was I was focused on the caster and then I just I just was ambushed. Like things got out of hand quickly in a way that I couldn't spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a weird little uh, so there's a hidden couple hidden levers here. One that leads to a titanite slab, which is likely your first one. Mm -hmm. Um, but the more kind of important one leads to uh, an or there's an illusory wall that you can get through. Um, that leads to an outrider knight. Um. Which I uh, I don't like fighting these things nope. uh, in their puffed up like late game super HP unlimited stamina versions, um, you know the emanate frostbite. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do, I do not like fighting this thing. This thing is harder than the boss for me hmm. in this area. And why is so, it here? Yeah, you know Sullivan sending out <laughs> scouts. Like, did you know we know where he's born? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Sullivan's sending out scouts, I guess. Uh, but I, I have no idea why this one specifically is here. Yeah. Shrug, you get his armor. I like their armor a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we find a spell um, here, like kind of nearby on this walkway uh, here that is significant. Yes. Uh, soul Stream, which um, I it's just a rapid fire soul missile kind of thing. But the description... Uh, says that this is uh, this is kind of where some of Prince Prince Lothric's doubts came from. Yeah, so Soul Stream isn't the ra rapid fire uh, ah, small okay. like thing. This is the uh, the big mega beam. Okay, yeah. the, the super blast. The, like this is the coolest looking sorcery in the game, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and is uh, can actually you know has very very like long wind up, but if you get hit by it, it is pretty rough and is kind of used. I've seen it uh, on videos like kind of used in uh, in PvP. Uh, to good effect if you can like distract an enemy or in like ganks essentially yeah. like if an enemy doesn't know this is coming this is bad news yeah. um and the lore here um is interesting because the you know the first of these scholars uh when lothric and the grand archives were but young um the first scholars doubted the linking of the fire and was alleged to be a private mentor to the royal prince mm -hmm. so like zaldia like dude like that's you know i've seen that around like I this mean, is possibly where Eldia went. I don't think there's enough support for it, but 
Like I'm, I'm desperate for Eldia. I know where Eldia, Eldia went. Yeah. I killed them. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you don't have to though. So like, oh. the, you know, people show up where they're not mandatory, mm, yeah. mandatory deaths, you know? So like, but this could, you know, possibly, possibly that could be because Eldia was not a big fan of Linking of the Fire. Mm-hmm. It's possible that he moved on and, you know, and it, it doesn't have his like kind of energy signature at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was a root fire guy. It doesn't, he didn't shoot sorceries. Right. Um. You know, so like it's, it's a stretch, but it's possible. Like the, the word choice could be meaningful. It might also not be again, translated thing, but the first of the scholars, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, doubting the fire, like it's possible that is a, an explicit dark souls Two connection. Yeah. Um. Do not know, but yeah. possibly I, I had a tickle of that in the back of my mind, but just there, there aren't enough nouns, I think. Yeah. And there's not like one other supporting piece of, you know, evidence right. for it, which would be like what I would what I would want, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think it was. It's just kind of a, a thought that crossed my mind when I first picked it up, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. So around this point, we get to a bridge and this is where the final confrontation with the Crystal Sage takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Joshua, like, did, did you, did you take this guy down here? Like, did you, did you post up and fight? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, to be honest, by that point, I had gotten down to very little health. So it was kind of just, uh, just walking up to him, slashing a couple of times and, and then he was dead. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a good, I think it's a, a great conclusion really. Uh, and, and I loved the, what he added to the to the levels below and and all of that stuff um yeah uh yeah that's it really. <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah it's um it's good you know it's good to finally put this guy behind you he does not respawn his health does refill if you die um but you can uh, once you take him out he's gone right um and he gives you the crystal scroll scroll which gives you logan's uh sorceries yeah. which is different from the scroll we got in the profane capital that gives you logan's sorceries <laughs> um so yeah. it is you know again just connections yep and very um, different than the crystal skull which cuts up the inside of your lip yes yeah, yeah. and disappoints you as a 26 year old man <laughs> um the um yeah so i mean and that's really it for this inside section there's just kind of more of the same um more ambushes more kind of like tricky bits yeah with you kind um, of being uh being zapped from afar did yeah. uh did, I, did either of you have trouble with the uh the kind of room that with with a crowd of three of the uh candle caster guys um uh, with the uh three rows or the four rows of books yeah um yeah, yeah. um not, and the one covering it from above. Mm-hmm. Not particularly. I don't know if it's my specs, but these guys never did enough damage to be a threat. Mm. Like yeah. uh, anytime I got hit, it was like 15% of my health or something like that. And it was just I could tank these guys for a long time if yeah. I had to. It, it it was a problem for me if they if they fired off the correct combination of spells at once. Like this this was a little bit of a I think I died here like once or twice, especially when you are climbing up the uh, the ladder there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Josh, did you have any issue with that? No, no, not really at all. I, I think there were loads of instances with these ambushes where um, it definitely it wrapped up the tension. I felt like suddenly um, very fragile for brief periods, but it never it never got to the point where I was overwhelmed. Um, not this point either. Um, and and I, I feel the need to kind of 
point this out now. You, we've kind of been hinting at it, but like this this whole area for me, um, up until um, we get to the NPC guys, this whole <laughs> area is kind of a testament to um, making. And, and Gary, you, you've said that this is something that you love already, but you know, using really weak enemies to just create a nice even tension throughout the whole thing never like this kind of reminds me a little bit of like resident evil 4's kind of philosophy to game design where it's never about kind of uh it's never it never wants to overwhelm you it never wants to make you feel completely out of control it just wants you to feel like you're slightly having to swerve um incoming traffic to get out of the way and safely it's it's a really fine line they they um they walk with this whole area with the enemy placements and stuff but i i really do think this is one of the most successful kind of pieces of game design in, in the whole of um dark souls 3 and and you know um it's it's a highlight for the series for me i'm i'm really glad you guys actually got me on for this section of the game because um i was really worried that um for any kind of section you brought me on for dark souls 3 <laughs> i was just going to be a moany moany so and so just discussing all the um, hey, no need for that language, buddy. You don't have to fly off the handle, thank, okay? Thankfully, um, I think, apart from when we get to the princes, which I, I actually think is really um, successful narratively, there, there's not much in the way of narrative to really um, kind of cling on to here, which, it, it, you know, I, I can perceive as a weakness, but every other time... Dark Souls 3 is really either heavily invested or in the story or it promises it will be but then isn't. It's disappointing. So for this this whole area to kind of be mostly just a mechanical exercise kind of feels like it's focusing on, you know, the strong point of Dark Souls 3 which is these um these mechanical encounters. Mhm. Yeah, and, and there's a little bit of, you know, we're going to get to uh, the stuff with Gertrude that is related to this, which is like, I'll admit to being a little tantalizing, you know, like yeah. as being kind of details to a story that I still feel is incomplete, you know, like yeah. it's still something that ultimately doesn't add up to enough for me. But uh, I find actually kind of if there's something that like is going to be the redeeming factor of the story kind of part of this, it is the princes, like you mentioned, which like I love yeah. that's. Uh, you know, that's my, my favorite boss fight in this game. Um, and then the uh, the stuff with Gertrude is pretty interesting and, and kind of evocative once we get to it. Yeah. Um, the actual but the weird thing is that's just kind of part of Lothric. The actual stuff that is related to the archives themselves, uh, I agree with you, are kind of a misfire. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and this game also, you know, or this area, as much as I think that it does ride that difficulty balance really well, is going to have a couple of pretty obnoxious spikes kind of coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, specifically, like the one encounter I think is like or two things I definitively think are kind of too much. Um, <laughs> so we're now in like rooftop zone. Like we we leave um, we it's it's like Kanehurst or like, uh, you know, and Orlando or what have you. We're out on the roofs trying to make our way back into the building higher up. Um, and gargoyles start popping up from the uh, profaned capital. <laughs> yep, um, and one um, of them again—they're used—they're they're luring you, you, luring you out with souls. You're going for one, and then just 
foom, and then it leaps up and attacks you. Yep. Um, and I think that you can get like four of them on your tail as you're, yeah, if, if as you're, you're running, going like, across. Yeah. Yeah. Like these guys are not to be ran away from because they, they have a long leash and like they move pretty quick. There's also, we overlook this little area full of Corvians because of course there have to be. <laughs> oh, I Corvians forgot about thing yeah. too. I didn't find the Corvians. Connections, Where are connections, they at? connections. Um, you walk, if you, when you first leave out onto the roof, if you look to your right, mm-hmm. um, you over, overlook a little like landing mm. down there. And there's a Corvian storyteller telling a, a stories to like four Corvians. <laughs> um, it's really a tough encounter. Um, mm. they are, you know, all of them at once is, is a bit too much. Um, I can't remember exactly what's down there. I didn't, uh, I didn't go down this time because I, I went down once and died. Mm. And then I was like, I, you know, I don't need to do this. Um, because it's, because it's frustrating, but. I, I couldn't if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you why Corbians are here. Right. So And you know, even with the extra information that we have about Corbians. Um Yeah. Yeah. It, it still yeah, doesn't shed any any light on why they why they end up where they end up. The 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 DLC sheds no light on the main game. Right. Like and that's the you know, the big failing of it is that like we learned a lot of trivia about things we know in the main game, but nothing that is significant. Yeah. And uh, knowing more about the Corvian's backstory does not reflect on why they, what their place is in the actual main game, at all. And that's that's the you know that's the the end kind of frustration of that that DLC. Not a spoiler for like a month from now, when that episode <laughs> comes out, I guess. Um, but the um, so yeah, there's some Corvians. We're having connections to the profane capital uh, because of connections. Um, we go back in uh, to the thing, and there actually is one of those like serious knights, like a sla- red-eyed slashalon here um who is uh pretty tough um you can avoid him he's looking out over the library mm-hmm. um he looks kind of like significantly placed i'm not sure sure why but i like literally snuck past him uh <laughs> this last time like you just kind of like and uh to get out to what i think is like the one pretty frustrating too hard encounter in the game or in this level right uh here uh, on this kind yeah. of courtyard that is full of interesting statuary oh yeah um, that we should talk about before we talk about this fight. We really should. There's a, a central statue here, which is of a praying figure um, that kind of has what appears to be either like small spikes coming off of it, or it looks like it is um, coated in wax. Not the statue itself, but it is a statue of somebody who is coated in wax or crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are also, this is where we're going to have a real density of serpent statues. Yep. And the little, the little calf and or framp statues have wings, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is this the angels? Like maybe, you know, like I don't, I don't know what is like that makes sense to me, yeah. you know, that these are, even though like if the idea was angels were a heresy in Lothric and were kind of hidden, it seems like they wouldn't make it past the statues, you know, up to the statue stage. <laughs> right. So I don't know why there are statues, like having one of these in uh, Gertrude's cell or like opening up a secret, like this would have been a good thing for that secret passage mm-hmm. instead of some Isolus shit, have a bunch of angel stuff in there. And it's yeah. like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, because before when we ran to the angel uh, painting on the way here, it was behind a hidden wall. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, this signifies like, this is kind of hidden. We know that Lothric, you know, angels are controversial in Lothric. This is uh this is kind of a hidden thing. Um, here they're just out on front street. If these are supposed to be the angels. Uh, so I don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand why, uh, where they actually fall in this culture if you know with all of our previous information yeah 
Um, maybe somebody, maybe there was a rogue sculptor who took advantage of the chaos <laughs> to go around <laughs> to uh, go and sculpt some. Like, yeah, yeah, like... you know, just a it's 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 a Banksy of uh, of chiseling instead of. <laughs> oh tagging. my god! Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Some what eighteen year old art student going, Oh, I know it will be edgy. Oh, I'll just put up some angels everywhere. That will piss the piss the man off. <laughs> if they were if it was Banksy, I mean maybe what it is, because I was gonna say if it was Banksy you'd put little devil horns on the angels. But what if they were just statues of the uh the serpents and then the Banksy of Lothric uh put the wings on them? Oh yeah, and yeah. It's like it's yeah. ironic. It's like what if Mickey Mouse had like a Adolf Hitler mustache or something. You know, like <laughs> yeah. that that's the kind of art we're working with here. <laughs> like yeah. You know, whoever the the, the Lothric piss Christ bandit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah. So um, I, I agree. The ontology of these guys is baffling and unsatisfying. Like it's striking to see them and to see that they're kind of in play. I've I've read some very um, let, 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 let's just say the, the reaching is extensive. I read some theories that this entire thing, um, what we think is the real world is an illusion that is kind of propagated by the, uh, um, the serpents, um, with the help of the Sable church and, uh, trying to get us to, uh, avoid rekindling the flame or something like that. Like that is, that is, I think the, like the most extreme version of this that I've read. And that like them popping up here is like a sign that like, Hey, there's, you know, you're, you're being manipulated again by these, mm. by these guys. But again, it's, it's one of those things where like, I appreciate the amount of work that goes into those theories. I just, I just can't meet you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of interesting, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're kind of cuties here. Like I would, yeah, thank you. Um, I would, I would, uh, like if they made like a little replica, like little tiny desktop paperweight statue <laughs> of these little angel cutie versions of them, I would probably get one. Yeah. Cause I, I think they're kind of, this is, this is the serpents that are most adorable. <laughs> I've been drawing them on the notes page here and they're real cute. So, <laughs> like, um, so I, I'm, I'm into that. Um, I don't know who that statue is in the middle. No. Uh, and you know, there's, I've heard. Um, there's another statue earlier on in the high wall that a lot of people think is Sullivan. Um, some people have said like Sullivan might have been that first scholar in this case, uh, you know, Lothric's advisor. Maybe this is him. And, you know, the statue is occluded with wax to show that he, you know, he is blind or that he is, you know, he doesn't see as kind of a mark of disrespect. I've seen, again, just a lot of ideas that don't add up to much yeah. here. Um, what's most noteworthy, though, when you get out here is like, a dumb three-on-one NPC fight, <laughs> and like we can just copy and paste the, the when Bloodborne did this yep. and put it here, yeah. where it's like, yes, you can get past it, but I, you can't fight it fair. Like the what these kind of fights do when you put um, three, you know, three-on-ones like this is just force you to be kind of like running away, hitting people when they get up to the top of ladders, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing like you have to cheese it, you know, like not cheese it like you cheese the undead dragon with arrows, but like. It's not like a fight fight. It's like, right. a you know, uh, so the, those things, like, I think they kind of suck. Like, I, I don't like approaching fights in this way where, like, I more or less just had to constantly be running away, getting occasional hits when I can. Yeah. Now, if I was walking with two buddies, then I could see that. Like, totally. The, the, you know, if, if it was matched up and we were just kind of deciding how to how to break this apart, that would be the thing. But, like, nobody summons for this, you know, like, unless you're running through an area co-op with somebody like it is going to just be you. 
I've seen some ensigns here. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, I feel like if the game was trying to, so that's, I had that thought too. Like, is this the game trying to signal you like, Hey, bring help because we're going to put this ridiculous fucking gauntlet of stairs before the boss. Um, you're going to want two people with you if you want to, excuse me, actually clear that. Um, and I think if they were trying to do that, they would have put an NPC summon here. Mm -hmm. And that would have like, to me, it's like, okay, if you want the challenge of like just running around like crazy, getting gank squatted, um, go for it. But if you want to approach it like a fight, like a dark souls fight, you know, like you've done every other fight in the game, bring, you know, here's somebody you can bring with you to kind of even the odds a little bit. Yeah. Um, as is, it's like, you can get past it. I can get past it. No problem. It's just like, I either run past it or I, you know, just kind of re like switch to tactics that are not like the feel like I'm, yeah. I'm not like cheating. There's no cheating, but it doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of the game yeah. to me. Well, it's just not fun in, in the way yeah. that a one-on-one -on -one fight with an NPC is like, obviously I'll, I'll use everything to my advantage, but when I'm facing a single NPC, but I'm kind of engaging with the systems more, kind of, you know, rolling out of the way, trying to parry them, stuff like that. Trying to parry one of these guys is uh, is a death wish. Like, because the moment you try to do that, one of the other guys will get behind you and backstab you or something else. It's just it's just not very fun. And and to uh, you know, to be quite frank, I, I kind of just ran past these guys. I, I haven't defeated any of these guys um, in my uh, playthroughs of the game um just because i i don't i just don't think they're worth it yeah mm. they drop some but, okay stuff like they drop unique gear but that's yeah. pretty much it which yeah. tells because these are named characters these are mm -hmm. these are important people yeah not important but they're like they're people they're not just randos so the the thing that's frustrating about this for me um is that i feel like there was there there's been one of these that worked in the series and that was, uh, I think it was, what, 1-4 at the beginning of 1-4 in uh, Demon Souls, mm -hmm. um, when it was a very similar kind of thing, where, again, you were at the <laughs> at the doorstep of where you were trying to get to, and here are these, you know, three heroes who are coming at you with everything they've got. But that arena was designed in such a way that you could actually um, separate them, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, like, it would provide cover and provide barriers and things like that. Every time since, and by every time I mean, like, in Bloodborne and in here, it has just been a wide open arena where just basically anybody can come from any direction. And they've just amped up the the aggression yes. of enemies. You know, this is not that dissimilar to, to like the D&D &D party in the, the woods in Dark Souls 1. Mm -hmm. um, but those enemies have like leashes. They, um, they're they easy to pull one at a time. Like yeah. they don't group pull. Um, and just the fact that they're not nearly as aggressive because mm -hmm. of the engine they're in. Yeah. Like I, I don't think this is quite as bad as the Bloodborne one. Right. Like I hate that bloodborne encounter. Like <laughs> you can get through it, but it's just like, I'm going to go up and down stairs and hit guys when I can. And I'm going to do that for five minutes until they're all dead. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think it's as bad as that because this kind of encounter design to me works in a slower paced kind of system where yeah. like you can create choke points and blocking matters mm -hmm. and uh, literal, like not like spacing, but like literally blocking with a shield can matter. Things like that. Um, there's also one of the guys here, uh, the, um, lion knight, Albert, uh, here uses a big fuck off ax mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's being, a, if you were using, you know, when I was using a big fuck off weapon, when I first came here, it became like, who can hit who first, you know, <laughs> and that's fine. Like I can, I like that kind of play. Like I always do a soul, you know, earlier souls game. It's like, I'm going to do a big two handed weapon and not block. It's, it's fun to be fun. Um, 
going through this on my dex build, my like bleed build that kind of turned into an all-purpose dex build because my bleed build was not really like I still do bleed, but it wasn't really viable. Um, started out as a luck build that also turned out not to be viable. Um, it's very similar to the problem with like the Axelons and the DLC, where like I can kind of stick and move and dodge a lot. Anytime I trade hits, I'm just going to get flattened by this guy because of hyper armor. Yeah, you know, and I'm wearing like decent armor. It's just my weapon doesn't have hyper armor kind of attached to it mm-hmm. um, with my swing. So like trading hits never works. He can always kind of poise through my shit. So there's just some mandatory damage when I'm like fighting this guy yeah. with other people. You know, if I can't, you know, just kind of back him into a hallway or parry him, you know, because like what Josh said, like parrying is not encouraged in this encounter. Um, then I'm just kind of fucked. Uh, and it, it, you know, drives me nuts. Like it is a, a clever composition and I'm always going to be weak to a D and D party. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, it's a sorcerer, like a thief and a, and a fighter. Like I, I can dig that from a flavor perspective a lot. Like I like a well-balanced party, um, <laughs> but fighting them all at once, like I just think is a bummer. It's, yeah. it's, it's not a war crime. It's not like the worst encounter in the game or anything like that. But like, it's a, it's a misstep for this area that is otherwise very, very well designed. I think, yeah. um, like think of the, like if you ran into these guys in turn, you know, as opposed to like them teaming up on you, like I think it would be kind of neat. Like, oh, these are the three different branches that are like trying to stop you from getting to the prince. Mm-hmm. You know, like these, this, oh, like oh, they they're sending out everything. Um, you'd you'd fight them. It'd be like a one-on-one fight where you fight these very tactically different, you know, uh, fighters, and then you get their equipment and learn who they are, mm-hmm. and then move on. Like I would have just liked that experience so much more than this like. Oh fuck! Well, now I gotta go do ladder games, or <laughs> you know, and and heaven help you if you didn't like clear out the way back because if you ran past anything, because maybe you were sick of fighting, you know, these things over and over when you die to this thing. If you run backwards, you're just gonna get hit by, you know, guys you failed to clear out. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yep. It's, you know, it's 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 less than fine, but it you know it's still frustrating to me. Yeah. In in the grand comparison of these across the series, I, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the uh, the gang squad in um uh ds2 the dlc but those position is a boss it's a boss right then that's and and like that's what makes that work if you you think it works yeah yeah you know uh, like i said if you think it works you're you're saying what i'm saying yeah Yeah. it's um like so that is that is frustrating too so like Mm -hmm. for people who want us to be frustrated by everything equally um but that is positioned at least as a boss Mm -hmm. you know and also that arena is actually made for that yeah um you know that it you're doing boring shit. Like you're running in these kind of circles and, and creating these choke points, but there are choke points yep. and stuff there without you backtracking through half the level to yep. create them. It's a, it's a Mario Kart. Arena. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Mario Kart battle zone, <laughs> um, up to the top of the castle. Yep. Yeah. So we get to the, the rooftop and, uh, this is kind of the apex. We have a, we have an option of which way we want to go. We can either proceed to what is very obviously the last stand, or we can turn around and see what's going up in that rotunda. <laughs> like I'm, I'm always gonna. Uh, my rotunda wants some, hun. Unless it's got rotundas, hun. So like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go check out that rotunda. Can um, I scope that dome? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I shall. Um, so on your way up to this rotunda, uh, we're introduced to finally the like evolution of the winged knights. Um, which like these guys are like pretty silly. Yep. Uh, and like just like yep. big flying fat dudes. Um, but it's it's interesting that like because before it was all just kind of like they drew those paintings and you had this idea that it was like aspirational like <laughs> this is a painting it's a symbol you know they are uh, of the angels but like no like you can literally ascend and grow wings and fly in this cosmology um and again 
like l- looking at this, we have two different things that grow wings for completely different reasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to admit, um, and I'm I'm hoping you guys will explain this. Um, I I'm not really sure what's going on here at all. Um, like this kind of maybe it was because by this point I had kind of lost faith in the storytelling of Dark Souls Three and kind of tuned out. But I really, uh, this really came out of nowhere for me. Um, And I don't know if you guys felt similarly or you felt like this this was built up properly. But for me, it was just like, whoa, what's going on here? Mm. Um, It was was surprising to see that it be taken literally because at no point (laughs) did I think it was going to be a literal thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did know that the winged knights were allied allied with like Gertrude and with the angels. Um, So having that, the literalism of it was surprising. Um, yeah. I Gertrude had a sense of fireworks factory to me during this whole thing because she's been mentioned a couple of times up until this point. And once you see that she is, you know, bringing this, this faith of, of angels, uh, and then you remember back to the wars in, in the high wall between the angel knights and the, the Lothric knights, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it looks like is there's, there's a fight between them. I was like, Oh, we're going to run into Gertrude. You know, I kind of like, expected that gertrude could be a boss before the princes yeah um at this point yeah. like i was you know on my first time through i'm like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna run into gertrude there's gonna be gertrude information so i was expecting it um you know maybe expecting more than than this because you know again the more you think about it the more it kind of falls apart like you do find gertrude you do find some information about gertrude here um but you don't find any real answers about gertrude or the angels right yeah i mean i i have my hopes up because okay a daughter who is sealed away because of something dangerous to the society okay like the series has a good history with that Mm -hmm. um but yeah so uh, these guys they are guarding the very top of this because gertrude is being kept in a cage that is hanging over top of the uh of of the uh, archives right um so you go down there you find her miracle divine pillars of light um, which kind of tells her story. I, I guess I didn't take notice. So this is full of feathers, uh, but is her body in there? You you pick up the miracle from a body. Okay. So the the people online who you know debate this stuff, there is some question as to whether that is Gertrude's body. I feel like that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. To me, like so, you you pick up the this item strongly associated with her from a cage filled with feathers that like she was visited by an angel. Yeah. Um. You know. And she, we know that she has been, you know, in, imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing that makes sense to me. Like you do yeah. pick it up off a body that I assumed was hers. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only thing I could see being a way out of that is that um, the cage is open from the bottom. Like, yes. I, I would, I would much rather it not be a body. Like I would, I would like for her to have gotten out. <laughs> well, the, uh, the thing, the cage being open. So in the, the kind of some good, like old style souls, environmental storytelling is we also find the hunter's ring on the way here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea being that the hunter assassinated her, Yeah. like the hunter, you know, that being the storyline, the hunter got in, opened the cage, killed her. That is why she is dead in the cage. Mm-hmm. Why or, the, the hunter did that? I'm not totally sure. Or, um, or the, the, she killed the hunter. That's the body that's in there and uh, accidentally dropped her miracle. It's possibly like like planted the miracle on it. If, if people ever became, uh, I would I would quit this show if people became 
uh, savvy enough to plant item descriptions onto things. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if it became where it's like, oh, like he, you know, he put this in this corpse's pocket to make me think the corpse was him. Like, and just literally, oh, like this entire part of the storytelling, like, is now unreliable. Like, in a thing full of unreliable storytelling, this one part is like I thought was reliable is now not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I quit the show, but that would be it would be a grand fuck you on like a level you know that we had not seen before <laughs> um yeah but, so, but my, my tongue my tongue is half in my cheek for that oh like, yeah. yeah no i i think so i don't think you think that she she dropped it onto his corpse like <laughs> right. we've never had signaling that is like something if something's on a corpse it's owned by that person mm-hmm. because there are just freestanding items yeah like we have things that are dropped mm-hmm. um the um so it could i mean gertrude could be in play like the other thing i would think of more than it being the assassin is what if the angel that visited her Mm. was imprisoned um that still leaves a huge question mark as to where gertrude is yeah um and that's unsatisfying in its own sense but that again crusty might get here and and that might be related (laughs) to the second dlc um so i don't know yeah we just we we just don't know so so this miracle is the one of the things that was given to, to to gertrude the 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 transferring of this knowledge rendered her um uh blind and deaf i think mm-hmm. um but uh she is the one who kind of like got this and uh scrolled it down and it became the basis of uh the angelic faith so something that is kind of uh, unclear and i i don't know if i can answer this for you joshua they are so she, at, at turns she is described as either a daughter or as the queen's holy maiden and I don't know what the distinction between those two would be. You're not asking Josh because he's no, he's no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking directly to him because, like, I can't, I can't provide any certainty around that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, like it has, like, uh, whichever way it goes, that has a lot of implications for the way this, for the way this shakes out. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just know. this 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 again is just kind of linked into like the half of Dark Souls 3 that I'm frustrated with because this just this whole angels thing is so underdeveloped um and it just feels like it feels like a dead end narratively and it, it's just I know from can do better and that's what's frustrating. If this was any other se- like if this was any other series of video games, like I think this would bother me a lot less. Um but because these guys have demonstrated that they can thread the needle really delicately and really elegantly. Um this like really slapdash kind of like this yeah, it's just really frustrating. Yeah. Mm. Um, also just in the Gary, you know, Gary's connection corner, uh, there's a man grub here, yep. uh, who, yeah. you know, we have their associate associate connections, um, with Rosaria, <laughs> yeah. so co- connections with the cathedral of the deep, um, why this man grub is here. Like again, like this mu- waters are so fucking muddy the, the, uh, like, yeah. or would you say they're stagnant? Uh, oh, um, <laughs> no, I mean, they're churning like they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. it's like a roiling, like puddle of greasy flesh that is just kind of Ugh. like wow no, rather yeah. you didn't say that uh, <laughs> well, you know <laughs> i'm passionate um the uh yeah so there's a mangrove here too so like toss that into the stew of possible like crazy lore theories you can come up with as to what's mm-hmm. going on with gertrude yeah. here i think they just didn't want to hurt its feelings by leaving it out the um it's such a like the mangroves appearing in kind of places outside of rosaria's chamber mm-hmm 
has been like so the one that's uh in Irithil, right like okay uh you know uh one of the 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 cathedral or the uh, deacons went there so like maybe you know maybe that's why why that mangrove went because one of the one of the deacons turned into a mangrove um you know to but so maybe that's why that one went there there's something there but like this one it doesn't have that feeling of like there's there's so many things that are like that you know like a little thing that's making a cameo from another area and and to, to head off you know the straw man in my head that criticizes us a lot like yes dark souls 2 had a problem with rando enemies right. like i you know i don't grave wardens were in earth and peak i get it like that sucks um we called that out then too it also sucked but this is not just an enemy that's there to fill like a combat role you know like this is one enemy that's a more or less a non-trivial threat yeah that is here to signify something they have other stuff that would fill the same purpose of like being a something speller. yeah they they've, like, they've got dudes who will sh- who will shoot laser beams at you who fit yeah. in here um oh and just just so we're taking proper inventory the gargoyles are the people with the profane flame like that is something oh, yeah. from from the uh, profane capital that uh that yeah. comes up here so so it just is just kind of a web outward that like it's kind of it's almost like they designed this if they were trying to make it so you could make your like the people who um come up with dark souls three lore theories who are like really really it's almost like they made it to encompass more possibility space mm-hmm you know, so like this fact that um, it feels to to us, you know, to speak to speak for you guys a little bit, like that there's not actually an answer to a lot of this stuff. Um, it feels like almost like it was made for that because the people who who talk to me about like kind of pitch Dark Souls three theories to me, the common element is they always say at the end, like I know there's no support for this, but I feel really proud of it because it's mine. Right. So it's almost like they in the previous games. There was a thing there for the most part, like, you know, again, just silencing our, our harshest critic where it's like Dark Souls 2 Dark is Souls looser. 2, Dark Souls 2 is looser. In the other three previous games, I feel like there is a storyline there. Like there's not nearly as much up for debate as people like people associate that with the series. Mm-hmm. Um, most of this, like the questions that need to be answered in Bloodborne, Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1 are answered. Yeah, you know, like there's a couple little loose threads, but for the most part, they are complete narratives. And, um, and even the stuff that felt like it was unsatisfying in Dark Souls Two, there was hope that it would be answered over time. Yeah, you know, or 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 at least you know, and not just by the addition of DLC, but just like, oh, we just need to work at this a little bit more, and we're going to figure this out. You know, yeah. the 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 scholar um, update helped that as well. But mm-hmm. like with this, I don't, I, I don't think that time is going to bring any more clarity to it. Like a, a DLC could time time is not going to. And I, I my original point was just that, like, by having every all of these mysteries at 40 percent rather than 70 percent, it, it's kind of like everybody plays this club cranium, you know, like it almost <laughs> is made for people to be able to just be like, yeah, like make up whatever you want. You know, every area connects to every other area. Every single lore theory is plausible enough to, like, write it down on Reddit, mm-hmm. you know, so like make your videos. And we see that cottage industry of like kind of loresters like people doing that it's exploded yeah. with this game i mean we're, I think we're a part of it we're tangentially related to it but we're, well i mean but you know. i mean a boom in it like more people mm-hmm. yeah like there are more mm-hmm. internet like youtube loresters and stuff about dark souls 3 than there were about bloodborne than there were about dark souls 2 like it is exploded with this and i think that's part i wonder how if that's part of the design to where it's just like hey like everybody 
take a crack at this. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make a thing that doesn't close off any options where every area is connected to every other area in the game, because no matter what you come up with, you can make it fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, like, I think that's extremely bad, Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but no, it does, it feels a little bit like that. Um, yeah. I, and you know, if, if this kind of, um, analysis that, you know, the, uh, dark souls lawsters, if they were being held to the standards of like academic, you know, interpretation, everything they're coming up with, uh, for this game, at least would just fall to pieces because, you need evidence to back your claims. Like so, much, like my um, my girlfriend's uh, an academic historian, and she she's she always tells me like a lot of history is you know interpretation. It's not set in stone. You're just trying to figure out what went on based on people's writings and and the culture and stuff like that. And the best you know, um, law research from the original, you know, the original game was kind of built on that kind of academic standards of tying all your claims to a piece of evidence and making sure evidence fits together. Whereas with some of the stuff I've seen for Dark Souls 3, it's people kind of creating evidence out of nowhere to justify their claim. And it's it's really frustrating for me yeah. um, because it, like and Gary said this in an earlier one. It's like, well, if this is the case, well, no, don't say if give me like a like give me a line of text. Give me an item placed in the world. Give me a statue that represents it. I, if it's if it's existing purely in your imagination, then you don't have, um, you know, a. a there's no claim to be made there. That's fan fiction at that point. It's not narrative interpretation. Yeah. And the, and the presentation is really between those two things is kind of the problem. Like there's fun to be had just kind of flights of fancy, right? Like I yeah. get the, the idea that it can be kind of fun to just be like, what if this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah. because of that kind of confusion between previous entries and this one, where some people I think maybe feel like that has always been the case with the series, Yeah, you know? So like, these kind of flights of like all of those, those lower things are all elevated flights of fancy. And there is a difference. It is not a black and white difference. Most things, you know, there is a, a, a detail left out or two, like a couple small loose ends in the previous games that are more, more coherent than this, but there's, it's not just that fan fiction. Like the fact that we are how many months out of, you know, out from this game launching. Um, and I, I like literally read, not one coherent supportive theory about the profaned flame. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it can be uh, coherent and like make logical sense, or it can have a little bit of evidence and not make any sense at all because, but I haven't read one of them. And this is with like literally like the entire community behind it. Yeah. You know, like none of it is, is good enough to like what you're saying, Josh, like it doesn't stand up um, to any kind of like real scrutiny. And like, I mean, again, we get some shit for being repeating ourselves about this. But it's this is a great example of it. Like this area, as much as I like it, like this is in the top half of areas for Dark Souls 3 for me. Like I like this area a lot, has connections to every other part of the game. And it makes the kind of like lore diving uh, that we like to do and that other people like to do really problematic. Yeah. So I'm not going to since this is a major question in the game, the Angels of Lothric, Gertrude is a major part of this game. Seemingly like if there's a civil war happening in an area that is <laughs> four levels of the game. Uh, associated with you know a major part of the game like that is significant like i want to know more about that 
and they're just not being an answer for it is is bad yeah you know so we hit on something there just kind of like oh people just thought that it think that this is always how it's been like i wonder if this is kind of the uh, weird counterpart of the whole assumption that hey difficult is good like oh dark souls is difficult therefore you know let's let's kind of go for it like this kind of misconception or simplified view of a value of the series dark souls lore is always a little bit fragmented and disconnected and just like that that is the thing that 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 uh that that distinguishes it um from anything else Mm -hmm. you know so therefore this is fine and this is the way it's always been and just kind of accept it you know yeah Like, like is uh is that the um you know for for such such folk is it something like that's what they like about it you know yeah. like that fragmented like the fact that it doesn't it's a little bit fragmented and if you can turn that up to 11 like they've done with like difficulty especially in like parts of the DLC and stuff that just like hurt me more mm-hmm. and for me that was never what was special about it yeah you know so yeah yeah so anywho um let's let's move on before before more people angrily unsubscribe from us. Um, the, uh, I, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think this is Gertrude, what that means. I don't know. Um, anywho. Yeah. Um, going back up to the uh, the bridge, which is, like, clearly leading to the boss, and clearly a reference to uh, a Boletaria 1-3, oh, the yeah, end of 1-3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the run-up to the Penetrator fight. Um, we have this really, really tough, uh, run here that like I've cleared out because I try to clear out everything, mm-hmm. um, but it is awful to clear out because there are three super slash lines at the end. <laughs> yep, uh, and it's, they, they kind of put me off my guard a little bit because for the first time in a long time we just have hollow warriors here, mm-hmm. like kind of manning the stuff, and uh, it's difficult to tell where the uh, uh, supercharged slash lines are going to pop out. Um, and they're not just buffing themselves with crystal here; they're actually buffing with uh, with divine as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's just a uh, good God. This is, this is very difficult if you're not just trying to get past it. Yep. 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 Um, so luckily like in, you know, anytime moving forward, I have just run past everything Yeah. because the alternative again, <laughs> kind of sucks. Um, I think, um, yeah. So, um, moving on, we get up to the top here. We get to the, uh, the, there's an elevator up at the top, thankfully, um, <laughs> that takes you to the, uh, the dragon slayer, armor approach yeah um the funny story about that elevator uh, once you've unlocked it it becomes like a, a trick elevator yeah. you know where you can send it up and get on it um i got on i did that i got off the elevator i died to the boss um got on the elevator went down to the slab i'd never seen that slab before this last time i played okay uh and i was like okay and then i got went back up i didn't it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out the trick <laughs> so i was like did i do something that makes this elevator only go down how the fuck do i get back up to the thing like <laughs> Um, and I just, it like took me a really like embarrassingly long time. Like I was hanging out and playing it with Brayton there. And like, you know, I, as my witness, uh, <laughs> it was, it was embarrassing and stupid. The, uh, so it took me a very long time. <laughs> the dumb thing is I figured it out before, but in the, uh, in, in the intervening time, I, uh, I, I forgot. And so I was also fumbling around with this thing too, mm-hmm. even though like the series has done this exact same trick several times. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, I just, just because it was new, like I felt like I knew everything mm-hmm. about it, you know, and I didn't. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, uh, you get up to the top to this throne room. Let's talk about this, uh, this throne room after we get past the, uh, the slash lawns there. 
Yeah. So you open up this uh, very large, ornate blue door and you go down this uh, hallway with busted statues and ragged carpet. And uh, we find out, we get the sense, yes, the showdown with Lothric is approaching. You can mm-hmm. get some um, uh, help for this NPC-wise mm-hmm. if you have uh, uh, finished up their quest lines. Um, the less involved one of these is to get Orbeck to come in, uh, our, our snobby friend from the uh, Road of Sacrifices. Um, mm-hmm. If you give him all the scrolls and buy all of his uh, spells and don't kill him for Yuria, he will uh, f- uh, join you for this fight. Yep. Um, and and after... we'll, we'll show up again. Um, he will uh, actually, like, if you summon him for this fight, that's his final thing, and he will appear dead at a table in the archives. Yes. Um, um, the other person is uh, Cirrus of the, of the Sunless Realms. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to do her kind of more convoluted uh, quest line, which I feel like we mostly talked about. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we actually did the uh, the end of that. And um, we have to do an NPC roundup. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, in the last episode mm-hmm. and just touch on the people we haven't touched on because I know we haven't talked about, um, boy, what's his head? Uh, finger, uh, ring finger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And his whole thing. So we have to do kind of an NPC roundup, but, and we will. Okay. Uh, for people who are screaming about, like, <laughs> why haven't you talked about ring finger yet? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but she kind of shows up. This is her final hurrah as well. Right. And uh, you can summon her and she'll appear dead at uh, Hodrick's grave. Right. Um, and you'll get the, the sunset talisman. Mm-hmm. Um, Hodrick's grave being under the, um, the undead element. Yes. And so um, we can walk through this door um, and uh, this gets us to the boss encounter. Uh, do we want to yes. talk about the speech first or do we want to do the music? Um, let's talk about the speech. Um, I'm not going to cut it in here because I used it at the beginning of the episode. Okay. So, um, and yeah, we're not the first person to come here. We're not the, we're not the first unkindled. Like he either Mm -hmm. knows about us, um, or, uh, has encountered others like us. Um, you know, everybody is going for this brass ring. That is, that, that is this, this dude. Um, I love this. Like we, we've talked about, uh, dialogue during boss fights Mm -hmm. in, uh, souls games, like tons of times. Um, I think it is a weakness for both of us. Like, and, uh, this voice acting sells it. It's really, uh, really well it's to me. Gwendolyn's VO artist. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it does, does really great. Like this, this, this kind of, uh, you know, menacing, uh, but still kind of, uh, you know, we're still advancing kind of the plot or the character mm-hmm. of this, you know, like I do not want this, like, you know, <laughs> Hey, and you're not going to take it from me. Like I, I'm not going to die. So you can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to die. So you can do it. You've done enough. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now have your rest. Yep. I've made, um, my, I've made my decision and you're not going to change my mind. So one of us is going to have to die. Which is a, in a weird way, like makes this like one of the less moral things you do mm-hmm. in this thing. Like you're, you know, you're not fighting somebody who's hollowed, right? Like Yorm was a mercy killing. Aldrich was a monster. Um, like this is, you're not, this is not somebody who's, who's gone crazy. This is not somebody, this is somebody who is deciding not to kill themselves to relink the fire mm-hmm. and you're taking that choice away from them. You're like, well, if you won't kill yourself to do this, I will make you throw yourself upon, you know, I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming to this. Yeah. And this, you know, as, and, and they've done, he's done everything he can to keep you out. Like Lothric, other than making that kind of selfish choice, not to sacrifice himself is not an immoral agent. Right. In this. And that's, that's rare mm-hmm. in these games. Like, it's kind of great. You know, like when you, when we fought, um, uh, Mikolash, like, you know, 
he's he's bug nuts. Like he's bonkers <laughs> and has done questionable things. Like he we find him surrounded by corpses who are, you know, like he's he's but this like Lothric, that's not the case. And that lends like so much kind of awesome gravitas to the to this fight. Yeah. Um of course we're talking about uh, one two princes who kneel before you. Uh <laughs> this is what I said. It is uh Lorien and Lothric. <laughs> I'm going to leave it up to you whether or not you want to cut in that music. I'm either going to cut in uh, the music for the boss fight. Okay. Two princes from the spin doctor. Please do. Or this town ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> so it's, it's I'm, or like, I'm, I'm just going to play all three of them on top of each other. Like, um, I'm jealous any, any that this problems. is your edit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we step out and uh, we're, we're not actually fighting Lothric right away. This is uh, a patented, uh, two-person boss fight um, and he is sending his uh, his older brother Lorian after you um, Lorian is very affecting um, I think that like he really a- adds to the pathos of this because mm-hmm. you know like these two these these two brothers they're so close and Lorian just uh, um, will do everything he can to help uh, to, to help him out like Lorian this this you know massive knight this uh, incredibly powerful person who killed a demon prince um, you know, <laughs> by, by this bond with his brother is actually like uh, assuming a share of his curse. And so when he comes at you and, 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 is, and is fighting you, he's actually like on his knees. Yeah. He, like, well, cause he, he's, because he's, he's been kind of laid low as well, mm-hmm. you know, by the, by the same thing, like by taking part of his brother's curse. Right. Um, which, you know, his brother, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, talk about this, the stuff with his, with his brother here, mm-hmm. but kind of, kind of intertwined himself. Yeah. With, uh, with his brother who his brother was meant to be kind of the like there's so much pathos in this one little boss fight that just <laughs> yeah. makes me wish this was like a little expanded upon and, and the game had focused more on this stuff because it's golden yeah you know like yeah. his his brother was the person who was meant to be born to link the flame like we know that is a a value in this society um creating this very strong air and but he however he was born you know crippled like he was born without the ability to do that um you know and so his younger brother was going to do it and his older brother was like you know, I'm going to, I will tie my fate to yours, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and paid the price for it. Yeah. Um, like their relationship is just like really like, uh, narratively satisfying and ludically satisfying. Yeah. Like we actually, like when in the second half of this boss fight, which we'll get to, we're like Lothric literally rides around on his back, like, <laughs> you know, and, and Lorian can't walk. Right. You know, it's like, so it's that quiet dignity thing, like done so well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that, that we all love. And, and it's good. It's not so much um, a, a quote of the um, Astraea moment um, in Demon Souls because um, mechanically it, it works a lot different, but tonally it's it's really capturing that same level of um, pathos for the characters involved and making you, the player, feel guilty for the actions that you're undertaking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like this is this is an immoral act. 
Like, and this is yeah. these are pathetic characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you are you are killing. Um, it's really really good, and I, it's my favorite fight in the game too. Even if it is a two two life bar boss fight, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's it's feels very like fair and balanced. Um, like so, you're when you're fighting Lorian, um, who crawls around on his knees, um, attacking with this his demon encrusted uh, greatsword. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the cool thing is he's fighting. Um, he can barely walk, but he gets around because Lori uh, Lothric is teleporting him around. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's such a such a cool like we haven't seen that before where like a character off screen is kind of like manipulating the character on screen like this. So even though you aren't fighting Lothric directly, he is fighting you by providing this assist for mm-hmm. for, for his brother. Um, and this uh, normally I don't like stuff that uh, plays around with the camera like that mm-hmm. or bra- breaks lock. Um, but like it's so cool when he reels up for an attack and then teleports kind of just like off to the side of you and then you have to dodge in a different direction than you expected. Mm-hmm. The nice thing that it affords you is he uh, when he teleports his animations restart. Yeah. Um so yeah. it does give you like you have more time. It's not like he reels back and then teleports and then lowers. Like you know, yeah. you have more time than you think, but the effect overall is one that this guy is actually coming at you from all sides. Yeah. I, I think it also works because he's so low to the ground. Um, you're always kind of looking at the same, at kind of a similar angle around you. Um, if a big tall guy, um, like, I don't know, the giant Lord or something had this ability to teleport around, um, this would be, you know, a really frustrating encounter but I feel like they've they've designed around it by kind of including the the narrative elements um, of this fight with the mechanical elements of this fight, and you know using that disability as a way of you know um, blocking the character. So he's he's always low down, he's always low to the ground. So the camera doesn't get too confused, and and you the player don't get too confused because he's always in frame. He's always he's always easy to track because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, he teleports around, which is again like Cole said is normally something I dislike. But the fight is forgiving enough to where if you are dodging in the wrong direction, your iframes will probably still cover it. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. important thing yeah. is to know to dodge when that happens. And he's not like it's not unchallenging. Like it's a little bit easier than the like we are going to difficulty fuck you like you know bosses that we we see sometimes um, in this uh, series. So it's not it's still challenging. It's not quite as challenging, but it does do like cool, tricky shit like it has delayed hits, um, (laughs) which I love. And like in the in the world of things you can do, like on the spectrum of like unlimited stamina combos and big swings that you really don't want to get hit by that you have to learn the timing. I'm always going to favor the latter. Yeah, Um, because once you, you get that feeling with this guy where like once you get it, you cannot get hit during this fight yeah. like i i usually will get hit uh but i had this feeling of like oh if i am good enough at this like i can i will be able to dodge every attack and just feel like an absolute master yeah um you know uh because it because it's it's balanced in that way that i you know really really appreciate and how good is it like again that intersection of like the narrative and character of these in the fight when he does kind of rise up and kind of get up a little bit only to fall down mm-hmm. with his attack yeah. like he kind of rears up and he can't quite do it and it's like it's really it's like what I play these games for, like those <laughs> moments of like, you know, again, kind of patheticness in in the threat yeah. that I'm fighting. Um, and it is like we said, it is a two two phase boss fight. 
um, after you get his health down, and he's fairly easy, um, which is what the first phase of a two-phase boss fight should be, um, we get some dialogue I am going to cut in here because it's some of my favorite dialogue in the game, uh, possibly my favorite dialogue in the game here. Yeah, my brother, unyielding sword of Lothric's prince, rise if you would, for that is our curse. Oh, man. <laughs> I just it was so good I got goose I got goosebumps when I first uh, encountered this like mm-hmm. the <laughs> this is this is a person that we're fighting who is actively um expressing compassion yeah mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> saying like okay we're gonna go and do this together you know like and it's not even just kind of like rise like it's phrased as a question rise if you would yeah right yeah. <laughs> like we're fucking monsters well, yeah. and it's 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 a the NPCs or bosses acknowledging a player conceit, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's there's a, like a hint of irony in that, like, you know, something getting resurrected in this game because of magic happens, but being right. like, no, we're undead. This is our curse. Like, you know, and like the, that little bit of kind of like winking mm-hmm. that it does there is like super good. It also does the thing that multiple boss fight, uh, multiple phase boss fights do that I really love where the second phase is not like here's an entirely new move set. Right. You know, it's not um, Ludwig. <laughs> it's it's Maria. You know, it's all of these moves are the same thing, but plus. Right. You know, like it's a little bit more dangerous. There's two of these beams. You know, there's a little delay between the second one. Um, you have to deal with these uh, these little fluttering firefly magic missile things. Yeah. Um, and even the stuff that like was kind of easy to get around, either the flame spray or the crazy deadly beam that uh, Lorian mm-hmm. would, would throw away, you're still watching for those. He still telegraphs them, you know, about a half a minute ahead of time. But you are, you know, just by by having this extra uh, person to keep track of, um, it does change it appreciably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's a uh, it makes a big difference. It also like by like I'm talking a lot of sugar about this. I don't think you know. This, I don't think the boss fights in this game get better than this. Like there are other boss fights I like, but this mm-hmm. is this is my favorite. Yeah. Um, is so it does the thing where one character will resurrect the other. Um, the previous iteration of this was the Throne Watcher and Throne Defender, um, like a widely and probably rightly derided boss fight from Dark Souls Two. Even though I do think that was an interesting thing because the they were not very particularly fun to fight on their own, but the concept there was keep both characters at roughly the same amount of health. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, um, one character will always resurrect the other one. Uh, so what, and since they're in the same kind of hitbox, the same area, it becomes where you strike the enemy becomes what's important. Yeah. So like in a boss fight where you're not getting a, a damage advantage for backstabs, like you now have a, a concentrated target, like you want to get behind the prince. So your damage hits the smaller prince, the younger prince. So, because that's who you actually have to kill. Cause Lorian will just keep coming back. Um, and that's harder to do. Like yeah. getting in attacks from the side or front is much easier with this fight. And that's what you've been doing for the whole first path, half. Now, using the same moveset that you've been kind of trained to understand, you have to try to position yourself differently, too. It's like a little bit of a tweak on a thing rather than just being like, here's a whole new boss, mm-hmm. you know, which is the the bad form of a two phase boss fight, I feel like. Yeah. Um. So this, this it's so good. And, so goddamn. you know, it's, and it's not even, um, it's not even entirely bad if you happen to kill Lorian before Lothric, which is going to happen. Like the real, mm-hmm. the real health meter that you're paying attention to is, is, is Lothric's. Um, but if you take, if you take Lorian out, 
he's open or uh, Lothric is open for a couple of hits. So you can go mm-hmm. in and he's very weak and very frail. Um, you just have to get away before he fires off his AOE. Yeah. Like, like, like that, that is the progression of it. Like he's going to resurrect Lorien one or two times before you actually get the ability to do this. If you're not able to um, attack Lothric off, you know, on his back or when they're separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is um, to my mind, like it is what, what it is like the perfect balance, yeah. you know, like this is a, it's, it's in my top, like boss, you know, top 10 boss fights in the game. Like I love this fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is for those reasons. <laughs> Is there is there anything that we that we missed on this, Joshua? No, I I, I think you've covered my points. I, I would just um, add that um, this 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 particular fight, um, along with um, uh, the dancer, I think really demonstrate the talents of uh, From Software's animators. Um, yes. Animations always like uh, a thing I key into uh, in video games because I think. If you're limited in terms of, you know, the amount of detail you can put on a character's face or something like that, just being able to add that personality through movement and subtle movements of um, arms, legs and what have you can it can just convey so much personality. And these two here are such a triumph of animation um Lorian especially just the way he moves around the environment, this kind of awkward pained swings of the sword and and kind of pulling himself across the the ground trying to get at you it so successfully conveys not only you know the information you need as a player to avoid his attacks but just kind of conveys the suffering uh, of these characters it, it's just yeah i i think from software have some of the 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 better animators in, in the industry of I think they do such a good job. Very well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dancer is another highlight for very similar reasons, um, in in all senses, like in difficulty curve as well as, you know, kind of that animation bit. Yeah. So, su- super super good. You also get some like I love the uh, the dialogue when you die here too, <laughs> where he's like, if you'd like, you can rest here and with us. Like, yeah, this is our grave too. So we'll yeah, just let you molder like, in the corner. Like we're we're waiting for the end of the world, and you can wait with us. You know. <laughs> Um, my, you know, my general, uh, uh, sensitivity or appreciation of the, like the attitude in these games of like, nope, this is not worth it. Throw it away. <laughs> um, you know, it's just something I'm generally sympathetic to in this series Yeah, and, uh, and just having him be so cordial about it. Like he's so polite. <laughs> he's courtly. Also, strangely, um, this room has feathers in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do not. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean to like throw throw a bucket of cold water on this. <laughs> uh, don't don't you know, like. I'm sorry for that boner buster here at the end. But, <laughs> yeah. um, there's a. It's, I I more or less chose to ignore that because okay. I don't. You know, it's like yes, they're there. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. You know, the angels are not set up in. Uh, kind of. So if the if the angels are cramped. The angels uh, would be, uh, or uh, Kath rather, they would be against linking of the fire. They kind of started this war. Maybe they counseled Lothric, you know, like maybe he's just associated with them and they are part of, I mean, we know that a scholar put this idea in his head. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was an angel in disguise or something. Maybe the angels came along and said, yeah, do what your teacher said to do. Also, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. 
Um, it makes sense for angels to be associated with this character who is not linking, you know, not about linking in the fire yeah. with what we know about Lothric culture. Um, so it's, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, uh, it doesn't add very much to the things I like about this boss fight. Yeah. You know? Um, yep. Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked about, um, Lothric's physical design. The thing that sticks out most to me is he's got a, uh, he's got a little case of, uh, Osiris seeth arms going on. He's got mega fingers. Yeah. Uh, mega fingers are... Yeah, you he's, got, he's got PowerPoint, PowerPoint mega fingers, <laughs> Microsoft PowerPoints. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> so by by the items that you can get off of these guys, um, the ashes and the souls, we we get a little bit more of the story. We should probably you know t- tie up all the loose ends that we have here between between the two of them. Um, you know, Lothric uh, is kind of the result of this experimentation. Probably an awful lot of uh, um, inbreeding. Uh, pure breeding, all this kind of stuff in order to make the most worthy heir um, to fulfill the ultimate purpose of Lothric and probably his dad, maybe um, to link the fire. This was his destiny. He was seen as being kind of the best fit for this, but ultimately um, ended up not being because of the way he came out. Yeah. Um, so they, they they neglected to link the fire, um, mm-hmm. as we can tell from their soul, decided to he- you know sit down, link their souls together and decided to sit down and watch the world kind of fade. Mm-hmm. Um, young Lothric was meant to be a champion is expected to wield a platinum sword you can make from its soul but some things will remain distant dreams forever mm-hmm. uh, which is very good yep. um, and then Lorien out of nowhere uh, <laughs> before Lorien embraced his brother's curse he was a knight who single-handedly slayed the demon prince um, okay let's just ignore that one weird little like you know did, like did this story need him going off to slay a demon prince like god i can, I can, can his i mean Connections, okay gary Connections. yes if, if he was attacking with a fire sword we would wonder what up with that probably would we? i don't like, know maybe there's lots of magic like there's lots of magic fire things like i can i can make fire happen to my weapon um i i wouldn't have wondered i would have been like yeah. okay there's a you know he's got a magic sword yeah there are um, other worlds than these yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and a weird detail that i actually didn't know if you get both of their we- uh both of their weapons um, mm. You have to do, do this on New Game Plus. You can actually fuse their swords together um, to make the northern. Let's take the northern regalia, exactly. Demon souls, yes. yeah. Um, thing and the the big difference. It's not like it's su- a super powered weapon, but um, it allows you to do both the weapon arts. Yes, um, which are is pretty cool. Like that's I imagine could, could be cool for PvP. I haven't seen it a lot, but like right. you know, it widens your verb set uh, for catching catching fools. Yeah. Um. As kind of like, so now we've collected all of the uh, Lords of Cinder. Yeah. Um, so if we want to, we can go back to, uh, to Firelink and go into the end game. But we have a uh, an optional area still to tackle. Yes. Um, so next episode, uh, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the uh, the Dragon... Uh, Arch Dragon Peak. Thank you. Arch Dragon Peak. Um, and we're going to be joined by Aegon of Astora, a, mm-hmm. uh, a lorester, um, and a longtime uh, you know, listener and stuff. And we've interacted with him. And the like, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, uh, and, and to being like, you know, the, the person, the, the advocate online for not liking the nameless King boss fight. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so if you have anything to say about that, please hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Um, in the meantime, Josh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like, I hope you don't feel like we didn't, we like talked over you or anything. I feel like I, I, we didn't maybe give you enough opportunities to talk or anything. And I, I apologize for that. 
if that's the case. Oh, no, no problem at all. I, I spoke when I, I felt the need to speak and, and add something. So don't worry. It's not a problem. It is, uh, it is very, it's easy for me to get on, <laughs> on, a, on a roll, yeah. uh, kind of a train and this stuff. Um, where, uh, where can people find you and your work online? Yeah, so um, you can find my work on uh, kandrinse.com, uh, where you'll find our podcast series, um, where we take a game or maybe a couple of games and kind of dissect them and, uh, and analyze them in detail. Um, you'll also find, uh, you know, various thoughts from the team in the form of articles and reviews um, on the site. Um, yeah, and and you can find me on uh, Twitter um, at Combine Hunter, where I talk about video games and then occasionally have um, exis- uh, existential crises about Brexit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's always fun to read. Uh. <laughs> uh, we, we understand, yeah. I think. Yeah, we we definitely do. Um, and by the time this for for a little while, we we understand. Uh, by the time this episode <laughs> drops, um, thank you again. You know, for joining us, I really do appreciate it. And yeah. uh, you know, your your work is recommended. Kane and Rince is really really great. And uh, it is uh, it's been fun. Um, one of the things that I can I can I can say about uh, Josh or saying about you is that uh, you know on Twitter, like we we see eye to eye pretty well on on Dark Souls three. We don't see eye to eye eye to eye on everything, but I. Out of people who I will sometimes uh, debate is too strong a word that I'll disagree with on Twitter, I am as confident with you as anyone I've ever been confident with of like, oh, like this is this is a good, healthy discussion of this and like why this works. I never, um, you know, like I know that you are bringing uh, thoughtfulness to it and I never feel attacked or anything like that. Like it is uh, you are a fun person to disagree with and a fun person to agree with as <laughs> shown by this episode. Yeah. But uh, you know, I always, I always feel good about uh, you know, if something comes up and, and I'm like, you know, I can, I can say like, Oh, I, I don't really see it like that. Why do you, why do you think that? And uh, it's always led to like really good kind of 20 entry long Twitter thread <laughs> and things I've really appreciated. Yeah. Thanks. Um, also, I, I would be remiss um, not to mention uh, your guys' appearance on um, Sound of Play for our uh, Halloween episode, oh, yeah. um, where I uh, helped you guys with um, some guy who's torturing you, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. It was a really um, weird situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still didn't know entirely what was up, but I, I appreciate the assist. It was, it, it was <laughs> yeah. greatly needed. <laughs> That was uh, yeah. I don't know if we've uh, mentioned that on the show on a show yet. We we talked about it on Twitter when it came out, but that was so fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was really really good. So Sound of Play. Um, tell everybody who's listening what uh, what Sound of Play is. Yeah, so Sound of Play is um is a podcast where we come together and kind of select um our favorite uh, tracks from various uh, video game soundtracks, and normally the show <laughs> kind of just plays out as like a casual chat. Uh, between uh, two of the hosts um but occasionally we have special episodes um particularly um during the halloween period uh where um some characters will take over the show and then we let uh, ryan loose on the um editing side of things and <laughs> he ends up creating these um fantastic tapestries of uh, comedy and music and um and yeah uh, it's 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 a really fun podcast um to be a part of yeah yep. it was a, it was a lot of fun to be set loose on that just uh, just to goof around yeah, yeah. 
100%. And also, like, I haven't slept since. Like, it was scary <laughs> as fuck. So, like, nightmares for days. That is the, uh, scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah, it's super, super fun. I, I recommend everybody, everybody listen to that. And there'll be a link in the show notes uh, to that episode. Yeah. So as, as uh, per usual, we let uh, Josh go, um, yep. as we do, um, but that man is a delight. Yeah. And, uh, we, we're talking in the green room. Like, it is, it is, it is so nice that, like, <laughs> you know, these these other podcasts that do similar things to podcasts that we do, that, we're, like, we're all friends. Yes. So it's not like, you know, damn those twin humanities <laughs> all, like, we're going to we're gonna smack them around. Like, no, we're just, we're, those guys are great, and we like them, and we're friends. And, yeah. like the retronauts are great and we like them and we're friends and Kane and <laughs> are great and we like them and we're friends. Like yeah. it is so nice that like, it's a good community. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, similar to like the best parts of the dark souls community. Yeah. You know, where it's like, Oh, like we're actually just, you know, we all like the same thing. We're united, you know, let's, uh, let's treat it like that. Yep. So let's just go I appreciate for it. that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so like we said, if you have any thoughts about like any of the upcoming stuff, um, we're already getting some, um, uh, letters about the DLC. That's mm-hmm. cool. All of that will be filed away. Um, that is uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Um, mm-hmm. What do we want to talk about? I imagine at the beginning of this, we talked about Duckstream. Um, yeah, but we should talk about it again. Yes. Um, so the, uh, when you're hearing this, the following Friday, uh, November 11th, we are starting our charity live stream. We do, uh, me, and, me and Cole do an annual charity live stream. Our community does one in the spring as well. Um, but we do a charity live stream uh, to benefit the Transactive Gender Center. Uh, this is 48 hours of streaming goodness, um, starting uh, Friday the 11th at 7 p.m. PST with the uh, Portland branch, um, which is going to be uh, myself, uh, Nick Lauber, and Brayton Cameron from other shows on the network, mm-hmm. and uh, in Brayton's case, from down the hall. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be playing all kinds of stuff. We have a partial schedule up on uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash duckstream. Um, but, uh, we, uh, have a couple like fun, exciting, uh, donation incentives and the like, um, there are, uh, being able to pick, uh, games for me and Nick's show or songs for me and Brayton's show. Um, you can get, uh, signed, uh, copies of souls of darkness with some Kickstarter exclusive stuff. Um, you know, the, the comic that came with that, the manual, things like that, that I have uh, extra that I don't, uh, don't give out willy nilly. Um, yeah. those are for, you know, special appearances and things like that. So, um, pretty rare. And uh, it is all for a, a really, really great cause. Yeah. Um, at 7 p.m. on uh, Saturday, PST, I'm passing over to Cole, who is dot, dot, dot. Who is uh, going to be running a marathon of uh, Resident Evil games. Um, of running. And, what, what's that? A, a marathon of running. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, it's uh, it, pro- GoPro, it probably would take me 12 hours to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or no, 24, I guess. Yeah. Well, whichever one, uh, time is meaningless, but no, I'm going to be running a marathon of, uh, of Resident Evil games, starting with Resident Evil zero. And I think I'm going to get up to a partial playthrough of two. We're just going to see how this goes. Um, and, uh, going to be doing that, uh, probably Sunday morning, going to have to tap in somebody from the community. Uh, so I can take a brief little nap because, uh, here's the thing, staying up for that long alone is a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> I, I imagine. Of... So it, it's, it's not easy with people. Yeah. It, it would be harder by yourself. Yes. Um, but, uh, the incentives there, uh, you can choose a game that I play for my horror game streaming series. 
Um, and uh, you can also, um, at, at a certain point, like at different milestone levels, I will fire off miniature confetti cannons inside my house. Um, <laughs> this is this is not a lie. I'm still finding confetti from the time that I did this last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. uh, like, just to, uh, to celebrate, we will make my apartment as messy as possible. And I do yes. not like that happening. Uh, so the cool thing about this is uh we have a we have a a pretty high goal set which we've met our goals every time before um the the other thing is like this is going to put us past ten thousand dollars given to this very worthy cause um yes as a network you know with with the community's help um over the you know the past three or four events that we've done yeah and it's uh you know it's it's great like they 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 need it they can use it um it is uh you know, I feel like we we do these things, and this was born out of a very galvanizing time. Uh, you know, for for kind of forces of inclusivity and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we are in another such time. Yep. So it is uh, it is more important than ever to uh, to be able to do this. We really appreciate anyone who's able to give. Um, if you can't give, we understand money being tight. Uh, tune in and spread the word. Yep. Um, you know, retweets, restreams, things like that. All those things are really uh, useful. Yeah. Um, so support in the chat is a huge deal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anything you can do really, really helps. Yeah. So um, we also, if we, uh, we're selling shirts mm-hmm. um, related to it too. So if you want to just not donate, if you want to get something for your donation, if you go to uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash shirts, yeah. um, you can see the uh, the Duckstream uh, kind of exclusive design there and all proceeds from that go to the charity as well. Yes, um, that is actually, uh, you can find a link to that on the Duckstream page, duckfeed.tv slash Duckstream and information will also be on the Twitch uh, channel where Duckfeed TV on Twitch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So all this stuff, I mean, watch social media. We'll, we'll have announcements and all of that. Um, but it's going to be very fun. I look forward to it. It's a very fun thing to do uh, every year. And it is, uh, I never feel better about our listeners than like, you know, when this happens. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you guys very much. If uh, if you do support us um, directly through Patreon, we really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been uh, surpassing goals lately. And we have a brand new show that's coming to the network. Uh, called Radio Free Midworld, which is Cole and company, uh, mm-hmm. rotating guests, kind of like Kane Rents, yep. uh, examining the Dark Tower series. Yes, I'm in the middle of, like smack dab in the middle of listening to the entire series on audiobook so I can have my shit together. Uh, you guys <laughs> spiked this uh, to a point. I thought I would have more time, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're just, uh, I'm scrambling right now. Uh, that'll be hitting the feed here uh, a little bit later this month. Um, yeah, really, uh, really good uh good problem to have yep <laughs> yep and um, then uh, we're pretty close on the uh, the rem show as well yeah yeah yeah. we're very close to that which is uh which is fan fantastic mm-hmm. um really looking forward to doing that i've been listening to albums in case that uh, spikes up and let's not forget a little show me and jeremy greer oh yeah uh, me and jeremy greer do called days of future cast which was our last premium show mm-hmm. that kind of came through and has been going strong the third episode dropped today um i want to say or dropped recently at the very uh, least dropped yesterday as of the time people dropped are here this. yes um, yes, uh, dropped yesterday and it is, uh, very, very fun. Um, in that episode, we actually, uh, we take a brief break, uh, I believe to talk about the, um, pride of the X-Men, hmm. uh, thing. So Thanks. the, uh, that weird little pilot from the eighties, if you've never seen that, it is amazing. <laughs> it was a pizza pilot. Yeah. It, it, it is a pizza pilot. We talk about a pizza pilot, <laughs> um, pizza pi- personal pan pizza pilot pro- project. <laughs> Um, podcast. The uh, so that that show is uh, is very very fun. We just recorded an episode about the X Men first X Men film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's going to be, uh, you know, your support on any of these new shows um, is very important. So if you do, we really appreciate it if you check them out. If you do like them, please rate and review them. Yep. Uh, tell people about it because that's very important early on in a podcast life. Yes. So, so much of this, like we, we, we've grown so much even over the past six months. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of kind of staggered. Uh, and part of that is is due recently to a restructure on the Patreon goals. You've heard about that in the past. We, we put out that State of the Union where you could hear about that. Um, all of those are active. Um, as of the 1st of November. So if you are curious about what you can get um, uh, at a kind of a lower tier, uh, go there and review all that stuff. See if uh, supporting us on Patreon uh, fits into your life in a way that makes sense. We try our best to make it worth your while. That is uh, patreon.com slash duckvtv. Yeah, and and to make this uh, section go on for literally forever, Uh um, the most uh, germane of those goals is uh, the Bonfire Side Chat After Dark uh, show that we're going to be doing. So, yeah, we will have guests on that show, mm-hmm. and that guest could be you. Um, that is a, a Patreon goal. So that is going to be kind of a roundtable discussion of prompts mm-hmm. uh, submitted by by listeners and patrons um, about the Soul series from Soft, uh, various. Uh, and you know, we would take we'd entertain prompts mm-hmm. from other things if somebody was like, you know, tell me about uh, something in your personal life that relates to this somehow, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever questions. Um, but that's going to be uh, something with. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. That's going to be a show that comes out once uh, every every three months. Yep. Um, and uh, again, you could be part of it. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably that's probably it. I think so. Um, yeah. So, so next episode, we're hitting up the uh, Arch Dragon Peak. After that, uh, NPC Roundup. And, or actually, after that, uh, DLC. Uh, yeah, DLC. Yeah. And then uh, NPC Roundup and, uh, and Endgame. Yes. Um, uh, so. re- really wish I knew when that last DLC was coming out. Uh, uh, kind of trying to plan my spring. <laughs> so so what, what's going to happen for people who are listening, assuming that the DLC doesn't get like shadow dropped like in January. Uh, so we won't be able to do the DLC right after we do the last episode of this. Right. Um, my uh, thought, and you can put in a marker here, Cole, in case this is not your thought. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a good time to do some ancillary stuff to kind of kill time until it gets announced. So, like, one thing I want to do um, is cover that god-awful comic. Okay. Um, like, I just, I feel like it, it's related. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's it's not, like, in canon, but it's related. Yeah. Um, and people have asked us before whether we're doing it. Yeah. It might be also a good time to dig out a copy of the Bloodborne board game. Yes. Things like that. So, like, we might do some kind of killing time episodes, but just yeah. because of my separation of space neuroses... Because what's, what's going to happen if we don't do that and could happen anyway is we're going to cover like Salt and Sanctuary <laughs> and then uh, right after Salt and Sanctuary, go back to Dark Souls 3 and then yeah. go into Momodora. Mm-hmm. So um, that's fine if we do that. But, um, you know, if we could not do that, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, um, and in, in the interest of honesty, also, uh, it might be nice to have more time to play those games because the off seasons of this show are almost always it, it, what, we, what we do is we go double time on Watch Out for Fireballs is what that's yeah. like. So, yeah. Um, it so, would be good so to avoid doing that. Spacing in some kind of uh, some kind of thing. So there'll be some kind of special episodes, things like that. We have some special episodes also in the tank that are kind of those uh, those top top and bottom ten episode mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, those might leak out there as we need extra time to play, you know, Salt or Dark Mouse or what have you, Neo, uh, depending on how long those are. So uh, it'll be it'll be a fun off season. Um, the theming, you know, we always do themes for the off season, and this is just the you know another another season on the influence of Dark Souls because yep. a thousand like Souls like games have kind of come out yep there's a bumper um, crop as of late yeah and and they're all worth talking about even the ones i don't love like have been worth talking about like yeah. you know i was kind of publicly disappointed with salt and sanctuary but it's not because it's not interesting mm-hmm. you know um it's it's an interesting game and it'll be fun to talk about 
And Cole's yeah. never played it. I've never played it because I bought it on launch day and the interface was too small. It's my understanding that it, they put in an option to make it bigger. I hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, make you, we were going to cover it for this eventually. Yes. So uh, probably probably a good idea. <sighs> I would have had to move my chair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so until next time, uh, Cole, what should they do? Um, oh, boy. They should sit here and watch the world not burn with us. For that is our curse. For that is our curse. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon 